That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Stephen Vaughn and Judah Newby with the Bald Face Truth. Well, happy Monday to everybody. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That is Judah Newby as well. He is with me. We're filling in for John Canzano. I feel like this is kind of day two of Pac-12 Media Day. Maybe the Pac-12 should just go two days of Media Day. I feel, I really do feel that, Judah. Like, that's the way it should be. There's so many people, so many interviews. I mean, John interviewed, I believe, close to 30 players and coaches. Like, you can't fit all that in one day. You got prolific, you got, man. You got to go two days with that, right? I think so. I think it's within the conference's uh, best interest to do two days. Well, especially no, maybe three days. It's Vegas, baby. Especially when you're not going to announce the media day. What else are you going to talk about? What else you, you got? You going to talk about players? <laughs> your your mark went two days with Big Twelve, and they were at the Cowboys Stadium. I feel like. You can do at least two days to keep pace with the Big 12. See, I'm throwing this as day two. This is day two of Pac-12 Media Day. Guess what? We're going to have a day three of Pac-12 Media Day probably as well. Uh, So many interviews that John did. I did a couple. We'll play a lot of those today, including Shador Sanders. You're going to want to hear that one. Um, We wanted to play that on Friday, but we debated on if we should even air it uh, at all because it wasn't very good. That's what I will say about that. Uh, you'll want to listen to that. We'll play that at around 4.20-ish around there. Uh, so be sure to tune into that. John Canzano with Shador Sanders. But we're going to listen to uh, Washington State. I talked to John Canzano today over at Camp Exceptional Judah. That's where John is today doing the I camp. I love Camp Exceptional. I do too. Mike, this is the first time I've been there. My kids are doing it. Uh, Lincoln, eight. Hudson, four. Turning five. But he was a little sad. Uh, it's another whole other story. We're embarrassed. The Vaughn family is embarrassed of his... <laughs> Of his showing that camp is exceptional today. But uh, Lincoln had a great time. I texted him. He said he had a great time playing Frogger. So uh, that's good. But John was telling me, he goes, hey, Steven, make sure you tell yourself and Judah, you guys got to get Jake Dicker on the show today because Washington State fans are mad at me. And you know what? I, I get it. Come on, John. Washington State's always the team that's left out, Judah. We always think, oh, there's middle of the pack. It's just Washington State, just the Cougs. Gets no love, and then John doesn't play him on Friday. Come on, John. It's almost like uh, he he didn't have control over what airs. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe me and Judah did it. Uh, a little a little behind the curtain, you know. We we're tied on time. You know what I mean? And and it's uh, we got to stay on the clock. John did thirty interviews. You know, give or take. Can't air all thirty. And I think the ones that we did clear on Friday were the priorities. That being said, I get I get Coug fans' disappointment. You want to hear your head coach with John Cazano? Those are always great conversations. Well, you're going to get it, and you're going to get it coming up here shortly. Yeah, you're going to get it here. And Jake Digger did a great job now. Washington State, you know, they're always picked middle of the pack. 
Uh, you know, what what do you think of Washington State this year, real quick? Just right off the bat, like, you know, Cam Ward's coming back. Uh, you know, there's been some changes in the coaching staff, but they're always going to be a solid program, right? Jake Dickert, def- yeah. defense. I mean, what do we what do you think of Washington well, State? John, John tends to think that Washington State and Arizona have a chance to get in that upper echelon of Pac-12 teams. I don't necessarily agree with that. What do you think about that? So they lost, I think, Henley was their big linebacker. He was like a second or third round pick uh, in the draft last year. If you remember, Wazoo, week two last year, goes right into Camp Randall as a 17-and-a-half point dog, beats Wisconsin 17-14. Pushes pushes him around, yeah. Just their defense, just smother Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin's offense, Graham Mertz, everything. Like, they're always going to be able to run the football. Well, they didn't really run the football on the Cougs. The Cougs' offense didn't play well. 17-and-a-half-point dogs, they go in there and rip out the W. And then there are the Oregon game in the conference opener last year that got drunk in the second half. I wonder if they pulled that game. (laughs) If they would have won like they probably should have, does their season go differently? Like, does it turn around the entire season? They're eight, nine wins. I'm inclined to believe you because that's how college football works sometimes. Yeah. There are there are some early benchmarks in your year. And for me, for Oregon, it's the Lubbock trip week two this year. Can't wait. They kinda they they start to build out what your season will have its shape. And uh for I think Washington State, that Oregon game was was one of them. Because if you win that Oregon game, parlayed with the Wisconsin win, you're talking about a kind of a special year. So anyway, that's kind of the backdrop. Because I will say Cam Ward I think was a little volatile for my liking at quarterback last year with a coordinator in Eric Morris he was supposed to be comfortable with coming over from North Texas. Well, Morris is gone. They got a new OC, Ben Arbuckle from Western Kentucky. I'm excited to see what kind of offense. Cam Ward returning with Arbuckle. It's very similar to a maybe a junior degree yeah. to what Bo Nix and Will Stein are going to be going through at Oregon, right? New play caller, up-and-coming play caller from UTSA with an established QB. Something similar going on in Pullman, and I'm excited to see how it looks. And we'll we'll hear from Cam Ward. He does talk about uh, the new offensive coordinator, Arbuckle, mm. in his interview with John. We'll listen to that in a little bit. But right now, is we'll open it up with Kook, for you, Kook fans. I got your back. Steven's got your back here. Judah's <laughs> got your back. Uh, this was from Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. John Canzano talking to head coach Jake Dickert. Jake Dickert is with us, Washington State football coach. Um, before we get into all the football, family, vacation, where'd you guys go this summer or you had to get away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we still go back home to Wisconsin. You okay. know, we get about seven days of you know just family and fun and uh, kind of getting around the state, do a little boating and you know playing a little cornhole and just kind of reconnecting yeah. with everybody. I got three kids, you know, so they get to see cousins and family. And and I, I do say this: the more I do this, I'd love just being home in Pullman. You yeah. know, summers are the best time. Yeah. Ninety degrees, dry heat. Yeah. Uh, the boys are playing. Uh, you know, baseball, I should have a, a yeah. tournament in Lewiston to get back okay. to, you know, so excited about kind of just taking some time to, to decompress. Where do you sit at the baseball games? Do you sit? Do you stand down the right field line? Oh, it's you, a, John, this is a funny dynamic. So, you know, I'm coach all the time. Yeah. So when I'm there, I want to be dad. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. But my wife, oh, man, <laughs> she, she's on them now. Yeah. You know, she's screaming and yelling, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, go ahead and yell at that ref. That's you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you that's know, so hard. it's a fun dynamic. I sit down the line. Yeah. I try to be encouraging and uh, just, just enjoy just kind of being a dad. Did you play baseball growing up? Were you? So baseball was everything in our house. Yeah. You know, my dad is baseball through and through. He was actually in the movie Major League. Really? Yeah, he was an extra. 
Okay. And they filmed it in County Stadium. Yeah. We were in Milwaukee. Yeah. He still plays currently in the uh, 60 and over national tournaments in really? Phoenix and in Fort Myers. So he made me into a lefty just because yeah. he thought it was the fastest way to the bigs, yeah. right? Even though I throw righty. Right. So I was That's a big good. baseball guy kind of growing up. That's great. I, I I grew up that way too. My dad my dad would always hang, hang out down the right field line. He had played professional baseball, and so he didn't want to be the dad behind home plate, you know, yelling yeah. between every pitch. But the rides home were always, uh, he would say, I really liked that you did this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a bunch of instruction. What's the ride home like for you guys? Is, yeah, it's, <laughs> is it's, it different? Uh, no, is, mom, no. is mom going, well, what are, wait a minute. No, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, start with a lot of positives. You yeah. know, you do this, and I always start with, what did you learn? You know, because I think when you're eight years old in that age and you're playing a eight game, years old, you got to yeah. enjoy it. You know, but what'd you learn today? Hey, uh, uh, first and third, and I'm a catcher. I got to be ready for the steal. Yeah. You know, whatever those little learns yeah. are, and uh, I just encourage them to keep going. You know, you just want to have fun with the game, and I love yeah. them to try everything. You know, they yeah. play soccer and basketball and football, and and they do it all right now. And uh, just trying to keep yeah. them out of mom's hair. You know, that yeah. goes. What'd you learn last season? I don't know if we have enough time to talk about Are we about taking it. a ride home here? <laughs> if we're ta- on the ride home it's, from the season. <laughs> oh, man. It, uh, what, what a journey. You know, I think yeah. uh, all of us have as, as coaches, you know, a goal that you want to be a head coach. Here's the plan. Here's our values. Here's how I'm going to run a program. You know, I've been blessed to be around some of the best coaches in college football, and my greatest mentor is Craig Bowl. And you know, I got a first-class education on – toughness mm-hmm. you know on details on doing things the right way you know coach wore a suit and tie every day yeah you know but uh still put your own spin on it and learn that you can't do everything you know i yeah. even grind myself to a pulp doing it that way and just empower the leaders within our program but really worked hard to establish a really good culture and i feel like that's what we've empowered now and then now you get in a year two and year three and year five and year ten and now you just you feel great about what you the work that you put in but uh you know, it's just about managing the imbalances yeah. of college football. I was talking with Jed Fish. He had had uh, some turnover on his staff, and he was saying how important it was for him to have some coaches who came back. You've dealt with some turnover. I look at Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. He has almost no turnover. Yeah. Kyle at Utah has almost no turnover. But they're spending, too. Yeah. You need that support. I'm not here to – this is not going to be a telethon where we ask Pat Chun to yeah. increase the assistant pool, yeah. but – that's important, That have, getting those guys back and making sure that everybody feels good about where they're working. It is important, and I think stability is how you build things and build programs. You know, But I will say through our change, and we have a change at strength and conditioning coordinator. Yeah. It's huge. You know, offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator. Um, we found a way to grow. You know, and I think that's been important, you know, because I think uh, the mainstays mm-hmm. of our program there from myself to Ron Stone Jr. and Brennan Jackson and Cam. And, you know, so I think you got to find staples that you can really root into, you know, and as change is happening around them, find a way to get better. You know, and I feel like uh, the change has been a positive thing, you know, and that's not just because no. I'm the head coach and chose these guys. No, but I think but... we got guys that really fit. And but in any walk of life, you want to retain quality guys yeah. you, know, you want to retain, retain quality people within yeah. a program and uh you know i think i've learned a lot from coach leach he did a good job of just kind of promoting up within his program you know and guys that know what he expects and know the way he want things done and uh that'll be a unique way of you know the way we need to navigate it at, at pullman and washington state yeah lincoln riley said this about mike leach he said that you know you get a lot of coaches who will hire the name that is a yeah. proven name 
But what Leach did really well is he would identify somebody who was just a good coach and yep. was a good hire. Yep. Didn't matter if they had the resume, he hired that person. And uh, But it takes some confidence to Correct. do that. Like, you, And you need to have an AD over your shoulder who goes, I trust that you know what you're doing. Yeah, and a lot of those guys coached offense. You know? So I <laughs> yeah. think Mike had a unique eye yeah. uh, for what worked for his system and his style. Yeah. You know, and I think he knew that better than anybody. Yeah. There's only one Mike Leach. Yeah. You know, I think the air raid term is just misused. You mm-hmm. know, I would love to go from an air raid disciple to calling it a Mike Leach disciple. Yeah. Because all those guys are doing things their own way, but the core of what they learned from him yeah. and the toughness and his imprint is on college football like you'd never believe. And, you know, we're excited about honoring, you know, Coach Leach's legacy, yeah. you know, in our home opener against Wisconsin. And he made Washington State believe we could win again. Mm-hmm. He took over a downtrodden program, put his stamp on it, was patient. It yeah. wasn't pretty the first three years. Yeah. Um, and then we've carried on the tradition. You know, he established that the standard of the program is go to a bowl game. It used to never be that way. Yeah. You know, so excited about that. And uh, I'm not sure your initial question, but I know Coach's imprint is on, yeah. you know, our, our game to the utmost. When uh, I think about you guys, somebody asked me about you guys, and I said, look, I, I picked you guys in Arizona as two schools that I thought could be really disruptive this season because I think I'm not worried about you on defense. You're going to be you're going to be a good defensive team if you can get the offense together and get some consistency there. Take care of the ball. I think you give people problems. Am I oversimplifying it though? Like is that a media generalization or is that kind of what you're thinking? No, game is a uh, football is a uh, game that we count com- complicate too many times. Yeah. You know, but I to your point, I think we have a humble conviction of what our team can do. You know, and. Uh, offensively, I think that's where we're going to make the most strides. You know, I really believe that. We've had some transition at the wide receiver group, but on the back end of it, we're more athletic. Hmm. You know, I think people saw that in the spring game. We have guys now that can catch the ball and make things happen. And I think Cam is more clear and convicted in what he's going to do. And But we got to win the tough moments. Yeah. You know, we had opportunities last year. Um, you know, we lost to six top 25 teams mm-hmm. and had opportunities in every one of those yeah. football games to come out with a win. You know, so we got to learn from that. You, you should have beat Oregon. Yeah. That's the game I, I, I look back. You should have beat Oregon. I will Oregon. say this, John. I, I tell yeah. our guys, I never use the word should. Yeah. We had opportunities to win that game. And yeah. uh, they were tougher than we were. And we, that's a hard learn, yeah. you know. But uh, we got to grow from that. And we got to be situationally ready this year to close the door. And uh, other teams did it. Utah would be another one. Yeah. We're right there. Um, they found a way and we didn't. And we got to you know, take our program to the next step. And I think that's part of the journey. And that's not just an offensive thing. Yeah. That's a program thing. And I think that's where we're allowed as a program. Hopefully we can take that next step. It's interesting. And in looking at like the list of players that I'll interview today, you know, 24 players, you pretty much could circle them and go, all of these guys would be targets for NIL collectives at other schools. Yeah. Ron Stone Jr. would be at the top of my list. If I were in the SEC or a Pac-12 competitor, he said, they find ways to find you. Mm-hmm. And you know, in and outside the rules, how do we stop that element of NIL? Can you know? How do you stop? I'm just going to say an SEC school from looking at Ron Stone and going, mm-hmm. "Hey, we can get you this." Mm-hmm. Luckily, he's a mature kid well, who goes, "Hey, I, I, I'm happy where I am." Yeah, it it happened. You know, it's not something that's fictional. You yeah. know, Ron had those opportunities. Yeah. You know, and he chose to finish what he started. You know, and uh, I choose to be very proactive in those conversations. I let them know this is what's going to happen. You know, be open and honest with me as we keep going throughout the process, and let's make the best decision for you. And that's not always easy. But Ron Stone Jr. is going to finish out as a kook 
you leave somewhere for six months, yeah. it all goes away. Yeah. You know, and you lose that, you know, who you are. And yeah. uh, But the money has gotten so crazy, I don't, I don't know what the solution is besides some federal legislation that puts us back on the rails. Yeah. You know, we've gotten off the rails, yeah. and uh, we're kind of a runaway train. And But, John, our game, I believe, is the best sport in the country. It's exciting. Yeah. It's fast-paced. It's student-athlete-focused and driven, and it's just – it's everything. So what are we going to do to preserve the next generation of college football? Uh, because right now it's on a little bit of a tough trajectory, yeah. and it's, you know, given some rules are slanted to the select few, yeah. and whoever's boosters are willing to go out there and pay for it, those are the guys that are getting the players. Do you think there should be a database where we, we know what everyone's of getting? Of course, of course. Because I think that's part of the problem. We don't, we, nobody knows what yeah, anybody's I mean, getting. And I think there's so many rumors out there, yeah. you know, and I think you have enough recruiting conversations. You know, most young people are willing to communicate what they are getting. Yeah. You know, so the information is readily there. I think it'll help, uh, you know, just kind of let you know, the public know this is where we're at. Yeah. It'll help Washington State. Yeah. Boosters and alums know, hey, guys, hey, we've got to step up. This is yeah. what's real. This isn't rumor. This yeah. is what's real. Yeah. You know, and I, I give them situations of, of what has happened and how we've lost guys through, through the money side of it. You know, but uh, at the end of the day, the numbers are growing so hard or high that it's hard to not have real conversations yeah. with guys. But luckily you got, like Stone said, you know, he knows if everything unfolds as it should, he'll play in the NFL Correct. and Correct. It, he'll get at the end of the rainbow. It's there. That's right. And yeah. that's the real yeah. NIL. Yeah. You know, and don't forget about that. Right. You know, you're going to have an army of people that are going to come to your support. When you stay somewhere for five years and you graduate there, mm -hmm. do you get that when you just go play for money? You know, I yeah. don't. That, that's a part of the game that we're losing, and I think yeah. we got to get it back. Jake Tickert, thank you. Thanks no. for stopping by. Thank you, John. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Go yep. Cougs. That was head coach of Washington State, Jake Dickert, with John Canzano uh, Friday down in Las Vegas for Pac-12 Media Day. And, Judah, I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. I got a couple takeaways from this interview uh, with Jake Dickert and John, about, like the culture of Washington State. And John was talking about Utah and Oregon State, how they haven't lost many players and how Washington State needs to get to that level. I kind of want to rel relay this back to the Beavers I, on that question like, why, is it really Washington State's shooting to be where Oregon State is right now? Like, if Oregon State has another 10-win season, are we going to be looking at Oregon State as one of the elite teams in the Pac-12, like, for the next couple of seasons? Like, this is going to keep rolling on and rolling on, and can Washington State get to that level? Like, I, I just think, I always picture Washington State and Oregon State kind of on the same level, but the way that it was kind of portrayed there, how John said it, he kind of thinks Oregon State is the far and above Washington State's level is are they really that far ahead of Washington State um you know if they are it's it's by a couple of seasons and it's just because there's proof of performance with Oregon State and Washington State is you know on the incline but if you think about when you know <laughs> this is why the Rolovich thing is such a mess yeah if it wasn't for the Rolovich mess then maybe that's but that's a, such a massive wrinkle in all this you know at least Oregon State they had the Gary Anderson mess but they were able to cut it clean and get it over to Jonathan, and now we're five years in. Whereas Wazoo had Leach, and obviously Leach, you know, rest in peace, goes to Starkville, and then the Rolovich mess and the pandemic, you can't forget, like, at least the Beavs got to navigate the pandemic with an established coach while Wazoo had what they were going through. So that's what's keeping them from being, I think they're on a similar track, but without question, they're a couple of seasons behind where Oregon State is. And I think if you're Oregon State, you're probably looking at what Utah's doing. Yeah. The fact that Utah's had the annual success year over year that they've had with a Whittingham that's been there 15 years.
You know what I'm saying? And and they're able to navigate NIL and Portal, at least to a decent degree. You look at the behemoths, their scheduling and non-conference. I mean... Baylor, Florida this year. Yeah. I think Oregon State's looking at what Utah's doing and be like, that's what we want to get to yeah. on an annual year-in-year-out basis. And frankly, I think Smith has said as much because he, he says, I have so much respect for Kyle Whittingham and the six that they've done there. I, I kind of see that love triangle. You know, Wazoo looking at Oregon State, looking at Utah, and like the three of us, I think we're on similar planes. That's a, that's a good point. I like I like that take on that because that's it. Just kind of threw me off a little bit when I because I always just picture, but yeah, maybe Oregon State is that far ahead of Washington State just because Jonathan has been there for so many years and Jake Dickerson year two, right? It was full year program. So I think you ran in that. The other one I thought was interesting when you talked about the NIL deal, um, like the NIL world, I think. For Washington State, and he touched on it with, you know, talking about Ron Stone, how he said he's the perfect candidate to go to an SEC school. That always lingers in the back of my mind. And I think it's terrible for college sports that, like, if you're at a smaller school or just, you know, a lower, a smaller market, let's just say, because, you know, Washington State, Oregon State, still in the Pac 12, still big time schools. But you look at that, and, you, you know, as soon as one of those guys has a good year, you know, Damian Martinez was the talk of this in Corvallis, there's just going to be some SEC school that swoops in with money and takes them away. So, I just I, I love the answer that he had. Like, you know, you, you'd love to have the amount of money everyone's making. That way you can get your collective on board. Cause I think it's bad for the game if it turns into true free agency and just money wins over everything. I would love for it to be if you started a school, at least that school knows kind of like, okay, if we can get to this dollar amount, then I'll stay at this stay at this school. So for like, you know, for Ron Stone, like it wasn't even about the money at NIL because I think he's just a true baller. Like he just wants to play football. But there's going to be guys that are saying, you know, I want to leave a Washington state and go play at USC because they can offer me a little more money. But if that money is known, the Washington state can come in and uh, you know match it. Well, Beaver fans literally saw that with one of their own, Omar right? Spates. Yeah. Omar Spates, a Philadelphia kid comes to Corvallis, plays immensely well. And now is at LSU with, with a money deal. Right. So I think that's going to happen, but I, I just hate that part of college football now. So, I guess I I don't love that, right? I think that, you know, you compensate that with guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix and the NIL deals that help keep them at schools in the Pac-12. Which I love that. And they did not start here. So, you know, and they're quarterbacks. Yeah. So I think that's the give and take. It is. But I think you said something that's interesting. You know, Ron Stone doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And I think that's really where the, the truth lies. What kind of guy are you? Not saying that you're a bad guy right. if you go to a different I, conference of play, I, but it does reveal something about you, whether or not you choose to stay and sacrifice NIL or benefit from NIL, or you choose to leave and either take some money or, or do something elsewhere, which in Spates' case, it is closer to home. It's not close to Philly, but it is closer than Corvallis I, is to home, whereas Stone, he's already a West Coast guy. He's, yeah. he's born in Texas and was raised in San Jose. I fully admit I would take the money in a lot of situations. Like I would, You'd play for live golf. I would. I would be a liver. I been a <laughs> you liver. love Cam Smith. That's yeah, your guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Like I, I, I don't blame these kids for taking the money. I'm not saying that. I just love to see... Um, when kids stay at their certain yeah. schools, at the smaller schools, because I love college sports like deep down, and I, I love the underdog stories, so I think that's great. Uh, real quick before we take a break here, Washington State six and a half wins. Uh, it's juiced way to the under. I got under when John was putting all these out on Twitter. I said under I, has five and seven written all over it for me, and maybe that's exactly what they talk about how they're always just you know looked down upon. But I got five and I got them at five and seven, so I have to take the under. Judah, just real quick, what you think about Washington State five, six and a half? I gotta go over. All right, I, and I look. I haven't looked at the schedule 
too close, so I will throughout the show. Check back with me in the last segment if I change my mind. But right now I'll go over it. It's right. simply because of this. It's a culture buy for me. It's a culture buy. You know, I, I think they've got enough, and I think this Arbuckle guy knows what the hell he's doing. Well, talking about culture, we'll listen to Ron Stone Jr., edge rusher, Washington State. He is a big part of that culture up in Pullman. He loves it there. Him and John Canzano talked that Pac-12 media. We'll listen to that one after the break right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Face truth, Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby in for John Canzano, who's helping out at the Camp Exceptional BFT Foundation. Go check that out. Help with all you can with that. It's a great, uh, great event, great organization that they have going on over there. Uh, but we were just talking about Washington State. We just heard Jake Dickert talking to John on Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. We're now going to listen to another one of the uh, Washington State greats, Ron Stone Jr., one of the best defenders in the Pac-12, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks in his career. Ron Stone Jr. talking to John Canzano Friday at Pac-12 Media Day. Ron Stone Jr. is in studio. Uh, all right, um, how is this going for you, Media Day? It's exciting. It's 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 been going good. You know, you get to see a lot of the guys that you play against and just have yeah. a, a relaxed moment with all of them. You know, just yeah. talk the talk and hang out a little bit. And it's not, you know, the, there's no tension between anyone. It's just a good time. Yeah, I noticed Caleb came with a different haircut caleb mm. williams mm. i didn't recognize him at first because last year he had kind of his hair out and and uh how much time do you guys get to know each other like how well do you like the group of 24 players yeah I mean, some of the guys you know i mean i i so for the repeat guys you know like i was here last year and caleb was here last year so we yeah. chatted up a little bit um matthew uh Cindric from cal was here last year it's same thing like that so you get to talk to those guys a little bit more you know um, get to learn a little bit more. You kind of freshen up. But the other thing, it's it's all quick, casual. Call. I mean, you know how guys are. Yeah. You know, they get to know each other quick, and they're, they're friends. Is there know? any sizing up going on? Kind of looking. At, they don't bring yeah. a lot of offensive linemen, though. Do you notice that? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I guess they don't want to show them on camera, things like that. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. But it's uh, <laughs> the only sizing up. It's like mm, his roster says six two. Yeah, he's not six two. <laughs> you know. <laughs> couple of those and he's like mm, could have sworn he looked taller on game day than what he looks right now yeah <laughs> things like that but i understand that <laughs> uh you have talked about we've talked about you maybe having a career in media someday mm-hmm. you sure you know it's uh does it look that glamorous look around you know, look I, around I look at those. these hedges next to me <laughs> i know they're fake you know <laughs> there's a lot of out of shape media guys man come on it's not a great bunch i feel pretty good I feel like I'm doing all right okay. compared to some, you know, come on. I mean, you know, I think I get outrun most of these guys. And that's the, uh, we got to get some of these guys some hobbies, you know, as we're going to, there's a pickleball, pickleball yeah. court set up. I said, called in a favor, got a pickleball court set yeah, up, good. you know, and uh, we could get these guys on the court. That's what we need to do. Yeah. You know, uh, we need, we all need to get on the court. Though. We all do. You know, stay motion is lotion. I like that. Yep. I'm going to write that down. Yep. Uh, Ron Stone Jr. is with us. Edge rusher, Washington State. Defensively. I have no concerns about Washington State. I think you guys defensively are going to be good. Uh, offensively, I need to see a step forward. Okay. You see those guys. Right. Where, where, what area of the offense needs the improvement? Let's, let's be a media member now. Media step, member. Step out of oh, edge rusher. Okay, become an analyst. Okay. Well, remember now, like, I can't talk bad about the Cougs. No, not talk bad, but, hey, this is what we could do yeah, better. Yeah, I, I think uh... – for the most part, and this is just the whole team, you know, not offense specifically, but, you know, just being a little bit more consistent, you know, um, 
finishing finishing out those a couple of those drives and capitalizing on some of those things. You know, that's offense and defense. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, eliminating uh, the the minor busts and uh, mental errors and things like that. Because you know, ultimately, like that's what costs you the game. You know, uh, a mental error on offense is a pick. You know, uh, a yeah. mental error on defense is a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So uh, just on the offense, getting more explosive plays, and on the defense, limiting explosive plays. Okay. I like that. I think um, offensively, I, I got to see some more points. And I thought that when you guys had Nakia running the ball late in the year, middle of the late of the year, you guys were better on offense. It, it, the beginning of the year was a little tougher, I thought. Uh, Ron Stone Jr. is with us, edge rusher, Washington State, NIL world. Help me understand. You're the kind of player that if I wanted to – target a star player mm-hmm. that i would come after did your phone ring <laughs> did how does that work you know it's uh you don't have to name names right, but does right. your phone ring do people go hey Ron? yeah i mean it, it definitely happens you know uh people are going to find a way to reach out to you or however they need to to get in contact and, and tell you their spiel and what they have to what they have to tell you you know yeah. and what they can offer things like that you know and um it's a it's a it's a crazy world for sure you know and it's it's really hard it, it, it you lose a little bit of integrity but at the mm-hmm. same time you know you don't want to sit here and say well no you can't change your family's life by getting all this money you know yeah. it's, it's a hard hard uh field to balance and yet you're at you're at washington state still come on go kooks yeah uh, yeah i mean uh it was more important to me to to finish out what i started and uh i really just owed it to myself and to the people to to, to stay one more and not fall into temptations and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I really like what we got cooking over on, on the Palouse, and I'm, uh, I want to stay stay and stick around to see what's going to happen. Yeah, but is it easier to do that when you know, hey, things go as they should, you'll be in the NFL? Absolutely. You get, and, and, it'll, the time will come. And that's the thing, you know, and I think uh, for that, that was one of the big things for me, you know, like a lot of the, the financial aspect should take care of itself if I do what I need to do here in Wazoo. So, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy to sit here and say, oh, I don't need that money. But, uh, you know, like I'm blessed and fortunate yeah. enough to, to be financially stable enough to where I don't need. It's not a yeah. need. Obviously, everyone can use the money. Sure. But like um, to just prime myself and focus on football and take that next step and, you know, uh, strive to reach my dreams we hear um everyone talking about legislation congressional oversight whatever but you're in the middle of it mm-hmm. what does if you were talking to lawmakers mm-hmm. what is important when it comes to that nil thing you know important yeah. part of the discussion i guess yeah I, nobody it, asked you guys this uh, it's it's crazy you know because it's like you don't want to sit there and you know it's like saying a salary cap in, in college football it sounds ridiculous yeah you know it's like what do you mean a salary cap you know and it's like it's a, uh, it's tough. It's it's a hard field to navigate, and that's why I think there's so much you know trouble navigating it because it's like it's such a new field, and you you add that with the transfer portal, it's just it's its own thing where it's like, wow, like I could leave, make mm-hmm. X amount of money, and still play that next season, you know, where yeah. if it was like you could leave, you would have to sit out, and then you get paid things like that, or. If it was one or the other, I think we'd look at it completely. College football is not the same. But right mm-hmm. now, the world's in. You know, you have teams that could afford to to get the, the best roster, you know, and to not have to use scholarship because they could afford to pay their walk-ons yeah. and things like that. Yeah, it creates an unbalanced playing field, too. Absolutely. And, it's just, and I, yeah. 
I think at the end of the day, too, it really just, in my own opinion, you know, it, it kind of kills it for, for some players, you know, and just in the sense where it's like everyone's chasing, you know, the this mm-hmm. the financial gain and not the actual football game, the, the, the athletic opportunity, you know, like it's like, okay, who could pay me more? pay me more not who could play me more you know and what what's it's not which scheme fits me better it's which uh which car is going to look better on me you know and things like that start getting your eye off the ball yeah and it's obviously you know it's great that these things are you've earned these things and you have the ability to uh, to get these things but like at the same time you know like for me football is what the the focus is you know getting to the next level is what the focus is and I want to make sure I put myself in the best opportunity and the best uh, situation to get there. We're talking to Ron Stone Jr., edge rusher, Washington State, uh, going to be a media member someday. Uh, this uh, football season, um, you guys, the way that you were picked or maybe not picked, does that motivate you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really whatever. You know, uh, for, for, for me, for the guys in the building, you know, like Wazoo's been, uh, been overlooked just about, Ever since it started, you know, uh, we could the, the year after we went eleven and two, they were like, ah, oh, middle of the pack, you know, yeah. things like that. Right. Um, so we don't we don't take too much notice of that, you know. Uh, we we don't really buy into the whole underdog thing, you know. We we know what ability we have in our building, and on our and our roster. So we we care more about what the results will look like on Saturdays than the preseason polls. Motion is lotion. Come on, Motion I'm, I'm lotion. writing that down. All right, Ron Stone, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, Good stuff, Go Cougs. Yep. Motion is lotion, Judah. Motion is lotion. That was Ron Stone Jr. talking to John Canzano, Ed Drescher, Washington State. I love what he had to hear. I love what he had to say. He was really good on the microphone, I thought. What did you think of that? Oh, man. First words out of his mouth. I was like, this guy gets it. He does. He great charisma. He's definitely going to have a future in media, and I can see why Kooks fans love him so much. And hell of a player. The thing is about him, uh, you, mean, you look at his stats, he had two sacks last year, 14 quarterback hurries. So, I mean, it, he could have been eight sacks, could have been 10 sacks, and it could have been realistically. Like, that's how good this guy is. And, uh, and that's hard to do in this day and age of, you know, the quick passing yeah. games in college football. <laughs> that guy's wreaking havoc every snap. He is. The spread offense, Crazy. he has the, the quick passing, and uh, he, he is an animal. Cougars, Washington State, they're opening up at Colorado State. We've talked about Colorado State a little bit because the uh, the, uh, Colorado game, Colorado, Colorado State, but they're at Colorado State. Not an easy place to win, but I imagine Washington State would get that dub uh, before they head on to take on Wisconsin back in Pullman in a rematch there. I'm excited for the Cougs, man. Again, I I think if I had to pick, I'd say they're under their win total, six and a half, but when they win seven. We'll have to go through their schedule. I I bought it up during the break we'll have to go through their schedule because there's one maybe two games that are like make or break games they do avoid utah and usc so that is a positive uh for washington state this season they avoid maybe the top two teams i would argue utah's not top two but usc definitely one of the top two positions and uh i mean they they got some spots so yeah we we go through that a little bit later uh we'll take a break here when we come back uh we're gonna listen to the oregon ducks bring them into a jeffrey bassa he talked on friday We'll hear that conversation. We got more. We got my conversation with Katana Ladapo. We got Kyle Whittingham later in the show. Shadour Sanders. You're going to want to hear that one as it was not great, in my opinion. Uh, we'll hear that one at about 421. Stay locked in to the bald face truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That's Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano, BFT Radio Network. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano, bald face truth. As I've dubbed it, Pac-12 Media Day number two. We'll have another day as well, but... We're getting a lot of interviews that we couldn't play on Friday just because of time restraints. But John, he interviewed about 30 players and coaches. 
just a great day of Pac-12 football talk all day. Uh, we'll get to a lot more interviews today, including Colorado quarterback Shadour Sanders, who uh, got a little heat from some people for how his performance went on Friday. You'll want to listen to this interview as he and John Canzano talk. Not the best of interviews, in my opinion. Very interesting to hear. Uh, we'll also hear more from Washington State. Cameron Ward will hear their quarterback. We'll hear Kyle Winningham, head coach of Utah, Katan Oladapo. Later in this segment, Jeffrey Bossa, Oregon linebacker. We'll hear from him, uh, get some Duck fans to get excited about him. But right now, as we do every single day, we do in this segment, we do the big splash. It's the one story you need to know. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. But the big splash. Well, former Pac-12 receiver, Jordan Addison, he was cited driving 140 miles per hour last week. And everyone was questioning, well, why are you driving so fast? Now, there wasn't any alcohol involved with it as well. So people were questioning, what is happening exactly? Well, it has now been revealed that there was a dog emergency and Jordan Addison was driving his dog to get medical help at about 3 a.m. in the morning. He was clocked in at going 140 miles an hour in the posted speed limit sign of 55 miles per hour. Uh, Addison was the 23 number overall pick uh, to the Minnesota Vikings this season. He issued a public apology a day later saying he made a mistake and used poor judgment. He also promised not to repeat the behavior. He did not mention the dog emergency, but apparently it was a dog emergency. Judah, is it worth going 140 miles an hour even if you have a dog emergency? I can't say that it is. It's a, l- a little excessive. 140, that's, fat. that's way too fast, man. That's, that's way too fast. Now, you know, I I guess I'm a little bit, I'm intrigued to see how the dog's doing, you know. Yeah. I, I had a dog I'd love to hear an update. Up. That'd be great. Yeah. Hopefully the dog's doing okay. And it's one of those things where you, you kind of want, you kind of need to know what was going on with the dog to know whether or not it was okay to speed. Now, because dog emergency, that just seems... I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess, but what? No, not 140. 80? Maybe. Thankful. Not 140. You're not going 140 for nothing. I don't care what kind of emergency that. 140, you can get people in serious trouble, get them seriously hurt if not killed at 140. Okay, I'm sorry about your dog, but you can't You can't be doing that. Yeah. Good thing everything's okay, though. Nobody got hurt, but Jordan Addison uh, went speedy there because of a dog. Thought that was pretty interesting, but I'm glad nobody got hurt. Um. Let's go back to Pac-12 Media Day. Jeffrey Boston, linebacker, Oregon. He talked with John Canzano. The Ducks, of course, picked fourth in the Pac-12 media poll. I got a little grudge with that. I'm not even a Duck fan, but, man, I think that's a little low. Uh, have Utah ahead of them. Even have Washington ahead of them. I think it's a little uh, a little crazy. We'll hear part of this interview with Jeffrey Bossa right now uh, with John Canzano. On Friday, the linebacker talked with John. Jeff Bossa is with us, linebacker, University of Oregon. How you doing, man? How how's it going for you? I'm great, man. It's been it's been a honor to be here and meet meet a lot of new people and see familiar faces. But it's it's been yeah. an honor. The uh, plane ride here, you had a little hiccup on the plane ride. I did. Indeed. Did you get nervous about you know? I guess the engines weren't working together, and then you know you get a little nervous or no? You're good. Uh yeah, I for sure was nervous <laughs> on the way up because I mean because so like with the engine, yeah. we had to uh, restart it like three times, so we had to get out and then. I guess it was like the fourth time they were like, "Oh, okay, it's running now." It's like we didn't get a new plane; like we're going on the same one. So like, hold on, yeah. So it it was a little, you know, a little palm sweat on the way up, but yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, it was it was good. I yeah. heard that they just said we're we're just gonna restart it like you're starting a computer over again, mm-hmm. like just reboot it, right? Turn it off, turn it back on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how it worked, but it worked. I'm here, so you're here and you made it. <laughs> right. Uh, your summer, how did your summer go? Let's because summer's almost over for you as a football player, right? Yeah. Like you'll report and you guys will get into it. Uh, did you do anything fun? I did indeed. Uh, I would say about couple weeks ago i want to say like two weeks ago me and about seven or eight of the guys went out to the uh, to oregon coast we went, okay. out to, went out to florence and we nice. uh rented some atvs went went to the sand dunes and stuff like that that was pretty cool and then uh also been cooking a lot this summer so, really yeah. what are you cooking um steak alfredo mm-hmm. and then um i've been also trying to do let me see uh salmon, salmon okay as well. yep, what salmon. got you into that did somebody turn you on to that or have you always enjoyed cooking uh, I've n- never really enjoyed cooking. Uh, when I was in high school, my mom would always cook, and yeah. I would never be in the kitchen watching. But yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure, it would have to be just like my my me wanting to like eat more healthier. Yeah. You know, sitting down with my nutritionist uh, early in the season, just how I wanted to change my body and yeah. stuff like that. Jeff, you're becoming a grown up. That's what's happening here. Okay, you're growing up. You're maturing. That's you know, you're not going by Jeffrey anymore. You go by Jeff. You're cooking. That's all good stuff. Yes, sir. I love it. Uh, defensively, you guys have got to be better this year. You know that. You need an identity. When I say identity, what do you think about? What's the identity of Oregon defense? Relentless. That would be that would be the number one word. Would be relentless. Relentless in everything that we do. Relentless in tackling. Relentless in you know getting takeaways. Relentless mm-hmm. in you know man to man coverage. And you know some some games are going to be aggressive. So you know it's going to be a good head to head battles with. You know, teams that are scrappy. So it's, yeah, and everything that we do, we have to be relentless. I I love seeing good defense played. Everyone talks about the offense. You see any of these quarterbacks walking around here? You want to sack them? You know, I just want to yeah come up behind Cam Rising, wrap them up. Just get a little thud on on Cam or something like (laughs) that. But yeah, no, I've been talking with with Cam, cool dude, man. So yeah. Caleb Williams said something that stuck out at me. I asked him, you know, you guys didn't play last year. You would have met in the title game if you guys got there. He said uh, he was looking forward to that game this year. He was looking forward to playing that Oregon game. And I was surprised he would say that. Like, you know, you don't often get players who give bulletin board material. Uh, What do you think when you hear the opposing quarterback saying he's looking forward to playing you guys? I think it's very exciting. I mean, it's it's going to be a challenge, of course, because we know what Caleb can do on on yeah. you know sitting sitting back there in the pocket and also you know extending plays on foot. And we also yeah. know that you know their their O line and their receivers, you know, they're really talented up front and also got a lot of good skills. So I think it's you know it's exciting to hear that from an opposing quarterback because you know that amps up the defense a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, just exciting to hear that. Yeah. It. It. And look, he's a competitor. I think he wants to play against the best, and he's you know he's looking at that game. You guys get have a schedule that's incredible. This conference has got about five six teams that everybody thinks could win. You're one of them. How did it feel to you to kind of look up and see yourself picked fourth though? People aren't used to seeing Oregon fourth. Right. Yeah. Um. I, I was I was asked about that earlier and. Yeah. That was something that I've seen. I've seen, like, a picture of it posted on Twitter or something yeah. like that real quick. I didn't really, like, look too far into it but I because I didn't really know yeah. what it was about. But yeah. I can tell you the media is not always right. You look back at the predictions for those right. championship yeah. games. They don't always pan out the right. way people people <laughs> expect them. And Utah, back-to-back championships, not picked to win it either. Uh, Kyle Whittingham said, what do we have to do, like, to get picked to win a championship? But mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Basso is with us, linebacker, Oregon. Your favorite class at Oregon, what is it? 
favorite class at Oregon. That you've ever taken at Oregon. I'll Ooh. give you that. Let's Ooh. say, if I, enjoyable class, incoming freshman says, Jeff, what do I need to take? And you go, oh, I had this great class. What is it? Um, We'll start easy. We'll probably go like J... J one hundred. Okay. Something. What is that? Is that a uh, journalism? Journalism class. class. Journalism class. All right. Yes. Yeah. So are you you want to do that as a major or was that? Um. At first. Yeah. At first, I wanted to do do journalism, but then um, I kind of like started to aim towards sociology, which yeah. I, you know, fully declared as my major now is sociology. Yeah. Why did you go towards sociology? What what interests you there? Because uh, you know, someday that football is going to end up going flat, and yeah. so, um, when I'm done playing football, I want to help athletes in the social world and i just want to be you know just an influence that influence on them before whether they're younger or they're mm-hmm. older i just want to help them out you know before they start playing that sport whatever sport they're playing or while throughout they while they're yeah. playing that sport or after they're playing that sport yeah. jeffrey pasta there with john Canzano from friday now uh, you know, the Ducks, they got a lot of questions on defense, Judah, uh, but Jeffrey Vasa, not one of those questions. He's a good player. You know, they get Justin Jacobs, a transfer from Iowa, who was hurt most of last season. He should be, uh, you know, big part of the defense. Brandon Dorless as well coming back. Uh, you know, the front seven, Jordan Birch, another transfer. That front seven, man, it's going to be uh, much improved over last season when the Ducks really struggled, I thought. The third downs, you can look at the percentages, they were one of the worst third down defensive teams to get out the field. That front seven seems to be a lot more improved this season. Yeah, and linebacker turnover, to your point. You know, you got Justin Flo, big expectations, didn't really work out. Now he's playing for the the fishermen down mm-hmm. in Zona. You got, obviously, Noah Sewell when I think, fifth round to Chicago in the in the draft. Linebacker's hard, man. In this day and age of yeah. college football, you got you got to go sideline to sideline. You got to fill the run. You got to cover. You, you got to do a lot of stuff. It helps to have guys like Jeff Bossa who are uh, a little bit more seasoned with that experience and, and have that versatility and leadership to deliver to the program. I, I liked listening to that conversation. Yeah, he great interview. Uh, of course, Oregon kicks off September 2 against Portland State. And Barney, he had some funny things to say at uh, media day. Go search that on Twitter if you'd like to see Coach Barnum cuss <laughs> on TV. is pretty funny. Oh, yeah, another said, day. Oh, yeah, another day, another cuss for Coach Barnum. Love but, Barney. Uh, that, that was Jeff Bossa. We'll wrap it up there for hour one. Hour two, we're going to kick it off with Punch It Audio. We also got Katan Olatapo. We got Shadour Sanders. We got Cam Ward. We got everybody, man. Keep it locked in. Stephen Vaughn, Judah Nubian, Bald Face Truth. Hour number two, the Bald Face Truth. I am Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. I am with Judah Nubian as always. He is filling in for John Canzano as well. John over there helping with the Camp Exceptional with the BFT organization. Just a great little thing. Like I said earlier, now one. My kids, they were doing they're doing it. Uh the oldest one, he had a great time. The little one was a little too young and freaked out. So uh, a little disappointed in him, but we still love him. Still love him here uh in the Vaughn family, but a little disappointed in that. Uh I've been dubbing this as Pac-12 Me today, number two. Me and Judah running the show. John did so many interviews, we got to play a lot. This hour, we're going to hear Katano Adapo. Now, that interview with the Oregon State defensive back is with me, not with John Canzano. We gave John a little break. We can't work him to the bone. So I interviewed Katano Adapo on that one. Uh, we'll hear from Cam Ward as well, Washington State quarterback. And it'll be an example of a quarterback who, of course, you know, he was in the Pac-12 last season, but he came from the FCS level. He comes across great. He can conduct himself well. He knows about the brand. He does it great. After that, at about 420, 425, we'll listen to Shadur Sanders, a guy who came from the FCS level now at Colorado, Coach Prime's son. He did not come across 
as well. We've debated on playing this interview or not. And we decided we should play it. We should let everyone hear what, ha you know, the interview. It wasn't great in my opinion. It was kind of weird. After the interview, I remember saying to John, I go, what, what was that? That was kind of weird. Uh, so we'll listen to that next segment. You want to stay, uh, stay around to listen to that. But as we do every single day, myself and Judah, we search the internet high, far, and wide to find the best audio to explain what's going on in the day. In a segment we call Punch It Audio. Let's do it. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. All right, let's start with Pac-12 Media Day once again. This was George Klyovkov, and if I had to grade his opening press conference, his opening remarks, I'd give it about a C minus. Remember I came in saying, I just want a Pac-12 media deal to be announced. He said there's not going to be an announcing a deal on that day, and they're not going to announce it on purpose. This is George Klavkov, Pac-12 media day, saying that they have a, or not saying they have a deal, but they're not going to announce one today, and they're doing that on purpose. I don't consider it frustrating. Uh, it's a reinforcement for me of um, what, what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I, I get it. And at the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. It, it's, we're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. The focus on football not announcing today. Well, that would lead me to believe they have a deal, right? James Krepia, is that his name, Judah, from Oregonian? From the Oregonian, he responds to that right afterwards. Here's uh, Krepia talking to Klyovkov. If you say that, you're not announcing until today on purpose. Does that imply you have one? Let's see what he has to say. George, just to follow on what you just said, I think, a, a response ago, because it caught a lot of people's attention very quickly. You just said you're not announcing a deal today on purpose because you want the attention to be on football. Yep. To be clear, that would imply that the deal is done and codified and just you're waiting until after today i think you're reading too much into that so then what is the purpose behind not announcing something which is what you just said what we want to have the focus on football today we have an incredibly good football story to tell and we want that to be the focus today i take that away as they have nothing and i'm i'm a little worried now i really am a little worried due to like does the Pac-12 have a media rights deal? Is George really saying, we got it in line. We're going to get it done. We have one signed up, ready to go. We just don't. We really want to focus on football. To me, it sounds like an excuse. Now, you know, everything that John says, says, you know, they're going to get a deal done. It's going to be fine. Nothing to worry about. But man, I said going into Pac-12 media today, if they didn't have any news, I'm going to be a little worried. Well, they didn't have any news. I'm a little worried about it, Judah. <laughs> A few weeks ago, it seemed unthinkable they could pull off a media day with the word media in it and not have a media rights deal. It came and went, I, you know, I've got the shoe on the other foot. I actually, I'm going to take George at his word, shocker, and say that he knows something we don't know, meaning I think a deal's done. And if it's not done, it's 95% done. And the only reason they haven't announced it yet is for optics that are more toward the media partners themselves. ESPN, massive layoffs, bring on McAfee, huge-ass deal. Oh, by the way, now we're re-upping with the Pac-12 at a big figure. 
that, maybe a little song and dance with San Diego State to navigate. And for Klyovkov, you know what, as kind of cordial as he kind of comes across, I think he can. he's basically giving a, an F you to everybody. Saying, I don't care what you all think. I don't care how it looks. The only thing I care about is what the deal is at the end of the day. And I kind of respect that. So I'll go the other way. I think George has got something up his sleeve. He's got a nice hand to play, and he's going to play that thing. And the Big 12 will spin it the way they spin it. But come August, I think we'll we'll see what he's got. And I, I'm optimistic that he'll put it in a good position. I may yeah. be the only one on that limb, but I'm still on it. Maybe in August of 2030, we'll finally get a Pac-12 <laughs> media deal. No, I, I agree with you. I think he hit. I like the fact that he doesn't care what anyone thinks, but man, I don't know what to think. Like I, nothing has been true. Nothing's yeah. happened. It seems like we're in the same spot we are a year ago. I am still a little worried about that. Uh, we haven't heard much about the Damian Lillard trade talk because really nothing's going on. And we told you this was going to happen. We're still early on in the process, but this is Austin Rivers talking about NBA superstars demanding out of trade or at its teams out of cities right after they sign deals. He doesn't like the way the trend is in the NBA. Here's Austin Rivers, NBA vet, punch it. Regardless of how good of a player you are, man, the NBA is not, it's it's a privilege. And if you are a free agent, then you could choose where you, you were gonna go. Right. That's the business. Yeah. But when you're not and you sign a deal, man, that's part of the business, bro. If you get traded somewhere, like, you gotta go play, man. You know what I mean? like. For sure. The whole, and this started with like James and Ben and all these guys doing this shit. It's bad for the league. Yeah, it's just, it's a scary dynamic when you, when, when, when stars start acting like this. Um, and I'm not a big fan of it. I got to be honest with you. And I'm a big fan of Damien. Uh, everyone knows. I mean, I've had so many battles with him. I've been in many playoff series against Damien. And he's probably one of the hardest players I've ever had to guard in my entire life. Everyone knows the clip where I had to like pray to God when he missed that shot. But I don't, I don't like when stars do that because it's just like, what does every other player do? So because you're a good player, like you just don't have to show up. I 100% agree with Austin Rivers. And I hate the trend that it is, but that's kind of how the NBA is. Teams will cater to really good players. And Dame is on that level. So, you know, I do think it's most likely he'll be traded to Miami or to be in Portland at the start of the season because Portland does want to fulfill what Dame wants. And Dame wants to go to Miami. Now, the Blazers don't owe him anything. They don't owe anything to anybody to send him to Miami. They can send him to Utah, which I want, because that's the most assets you could get back for a team that potentially could be involved in the trade. They could send him to Boston, who has been rumored to want him. Dame doesn't want him to go there. It doesn't matter. Dame signed the contract extension. He didn't have to do that. If he really wanted out and he wanted to choose where he can go, he would not have signed any contract extension to Portland. Then he'd be a free agent. He's literally able to sign anywhere. I agree with those officers who are saying I hate the trend that it's going this way. That's kind of how the NBA works, though. Star-driven league. But I do think there's still a chance that the Blazers hold out and try to get as much as possible. But I do think the most likely spot is Miami. Now, can Miami get enough assets besides Tyler Hero to fulfill the Blazers? That remains to be seen. But I do think Portland will try to pay the respect to Dame and get him to Miami, which it, it, it's fine. I just don't like that trend in the NBA. It's been, it's been a little while since anything's come out on this. Does that make sense? You know, with, with Vegas wrapped up, it kind of feels like I wasn't going to hear anything the last few days. But at the same time, I, I've still got everybody on notifications on Twitter now, or I, X.com I think, or whatever the hell it is. I think the big day is July 31st, August 1st. That's when Jaime Hawkins is actually eligible to be traded. 
I think that's when news can be coming about because he is one of their better prospects, one of the better trade chips. But couldn't you agree to a, tra- you a trade before executing it? You could, but I do think that's kind of one of the big things that are still involved in this trade. Like, who wants him? Where would he be going? And I think he'd be a great fit in Portland. I, I love that guy. He's a baller. But You were all on Ime Hawkes and, and in the see, pre-draft he could be, process. He could be terrible in the NBA. I just think the dude is a no, baller. No, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer right now. No. But, I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to believe, man. I said round one went to Joe Cronin in this fight against Pat Riley. You think that's fair? See, I think Pat Riley got him in round one, but I think Cronin strong in round two. Quarter two, Cronin is dominating this fight. He could have lost this thing and just, you know, just gave in. He could have gave in and bent over and traded Dame. Round one and he, knockout. And he hasn't. Round one knockout. It could have been. Yeah. And so it's I'll give not. that to Joe. Yeah. I think Joe's fighting back. And I, Mighty I, Joe Crow. It's Joe Crow. And it is the right, it's the right play. But uh, it'll be remain, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens later on this summer. If Dave's still on the roster when it comes to training camp, is he really going to play the I'm not going to play here card? I can't see it. I can't see Dave doing that. It would be a bad luck if he did. He was in town. I think he's in town yeah, now. He, he, was, had a, he had a camp. He had a camp and uh, he was wearing blazer shorts. He was. He was. The pinwheel? That's punching audio, by the way. Oh. We'll wrap it up there because we got more interviews to play. But yeah, he was That's wearing, he was wearing uh, blazer shorts. He's coming back. I had inside sources of people that were at the camp. They told me blazer shorts. I need to get new blazer shorts. But the second day, he did not wear blazer shorts. The hell's he thinking? What does what does that mean? Miami shorts? You tell me he wore Miami. If shorts he went heat at a oh, summer camp, can you imagine? Get him out. He went like Miami Heat shirt or something <laughs> <laughs> at his camp. That would be crazy. A Haslam jersey, <laughs> dude. Be so sick. Uh, all right, well, we'll go back to Pac-12 Media Day from Friday. Uh, this is my interview with Oregon State DB Katan Oladapo. Now, I have some questions about Oregon State this season. I don't have questions about Oladapo specifically, but I do have a lot of questions about that defense. They lost a lot, especially in the defensive backfield. Um, Oregon State, the best defense in the conference last season. Here is my talk with Katan Oladapo, who's going to be taking that leadership role at Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. Here on the BFT with Katan Oladapo, DB Oregon State. Katan. Man, what is this like here in Las Vegas right now? I mean, it's uh, your first time in Pac-12 Media Day. How, how's everything going for you? Um, it's been fun. Um, you know, yesterday was fun doing photo shoots. You know, touring Allegiant Stadium, um, and then you know, hitting the blackjack tables. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's today's about. today's today's been good. You know, different interviews. Guys been asking good questions. Um, uh, I'm okay with the interviews as long as they ask good questions. I'm okay with it. <laughs> well, hopefully, I, hopefully I can uh, help you with that. I, you know, t- talk about last season. You guys won ten um, games for the first time since 2006. I mean, big time season for the bees. Just did, did you have time to go back and enjoy that? Reflect on last season at all? Uh, yeah. Um, we did reflect. You know, the one or two weeks we had off right after the bowl game. Um, I've been staying in Las Vegas a couple of days with my family, you know, just to just to chill before I made my decision if I wanted to come back or not. Um, but you know, we watched we watched all the games like in the winter uh, on what we need to improve on and you know what we did well and what we got to keep you know cracking at and in, in film and in the weight room. So um, yeah, definitely excited to get back out there. Yeah, talking about that, Dad, you decided to come back to Corvallis, instead uh, of heading off to the NFL where you, you would have been drafted probably. Uh, what was the feedback you received? What are you looking to improve on? Uh, from the NFL scouts uh, point of view um, yeah I got a three to five round grade and um, 
You know, they, they, they like my size. Um, sometimes, I mean, scouts are different. Some guys say I'm limited, limited in space. Some guys, they say they love me in space. Some guys say uh, uh, stiff out of their brakes. Um, or other guys say uh, he has fluid hips. So, um, you know, just taking taking the coaching points and, and moving on. Um, just trying to, you know, get more ball production and get in the film room more and to make those game-changing plays. Yeah, you went to uh, Central Catholic High School uh, out in Portland. Uh, my wife, she's the track coach there, so you know, big fan, Ram oh, fans. Yeah, yeah, big. Wow. I know I she know. she just uh, got the job last year, so I'm I'm new to the Central Catholic. Uh, okay, you know the whole view out there and everything, but she uh-huh. loves it out there. You know, what was your experience there at Central Catholic out in Portland? How did they uh, help you trans- translate that into a uh, successful start here at Oregon State so far? It's Coach Christie now. Uh, so it's Coach Vaughn now. She just Coach took Vaughn. over. Oh, okay. Yeah, she just took over um, last season. Oh, so go, uh, go back, go back, and say what's freshman. up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I did my freshman and sophomore year in track and field, and then uh, I played rugby after that. But it was oh. definitely fun. Um, you know, going out there and their track meets uh, were always hilarious. <laughs> but um, I uh, definitely should go back to Central. I was at Central for a, a Pico camp. Uh, one of my teammates put together. Um. So I do, I do come back and try to, you know, tap in at Central Catholic, you know, when I can. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, she, she would love that. She'd love that. But yeah. uh, you know, talk about uh, Trent Bray a little bit. You know, he, he signs the contract extension. He's one of the best coordinators in the nation. I don't think it's really debatable at this point. But what is it about him that can motivate you guys or get you guys better for the next season, upcoming seasons? Um, I think it's just him, you know, playing at Oregon State. You know, really being passionate, on fire for his work every day. The energy he brings. Um, and really just calm plays um, for us to be great. You know, he sees the skill sets and the talent we have, and he, he puts us in the right position, and he really trusts us to go out there and do our jobs and um, be be assignment sound. And, um, you know, I wish I could – I always say I wish I could go out there and play with the old man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks like he can great. still play a little bit, you know? Yeah, uh, maybe no? he got – he got maybe four plays in. Okay, him. okay. Four good, four, four quality plays out of four him. Four good plays. We we better get off the field on the third down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. We're here with Katan Ola Dapo, DB Oregon State. Uh you guys, Reese Stadium. That's a special place. I mean, right? I mean, you guys have lost one game there in the last two seasons. That was the USC, and I mean, it, you. It wasn't the defense's fault in that game. You guys probably yeah. should have won that game. Anyways, yeah. you know, you could be undefeated the last two seasons. What what just makes Reeser so special? And and does the addition with all the fans now, the renovation, is that going to make it a different? Are we going to feel different, or is it uh, still got the vibes from the last couple seasons? I think I think that's just more energy, you know, to the stadium. Um, even with half a stadium last year playing against USC and Oregon, that was the loudest it's been in my five years. So I dig, definitely excited to see Reeser Stadium full. Um, a whole bunch of orange in the crowds and uh, get it rocking. Um, I think guys take a lot of pride, you know, in home field. Um, we don't want anyone to come in here and try to mess up, you know, our, our home field advantage and, you know, come in our house and just try to assert our dominance and really take pride in um, in Corvallis and, you know, the coaches and, and all the players really just have a chip on the shoulder when we're playing at home. It was really rocking last year. You guys opened up uh, against UC Davis to open up Reeser Stadium, the new mm-hmm. Reeser Stadium this year. But you guys open up uh, week one at San Jose State. Now, I'm interested in this part. It's on a Sunday. 1230 yeah. in the afternoon. It's going to be the yeah. only college football game on. All eyes are going to be on you guys, right? Like every college football fan is going to be watching that game. Is there a different vibe? Is there a different, you know, feeling of those type of games? Or is it, is it, are you in the mindset of just, it's just another game, you know, go out and play? Um, I just go out and play. Um, it doesn't matter what day we play or what time we play. You got to go out there and execute either way. Um, 
with everyone watching that, that's fine with me. I don't I don't see all the eyes, so I'm okay <laughs> with that. Um, I don't really get nervous for games anymore, but um, it's, it was definitely fun to go out there. You know, I think it's just different being on Sunday. Um, you know, Saturday just gonna sit around and watch all the other college games, but um, but we we usually do that anyway because yeah. our games are always late. <laughs> but um, no, nah, I'm definitely excited to go out there um on Sunday. I think guys just got to get used to it. Um, twelve thirty, uh, earlier. So I I, I like that for sure. Katana Oladapo, DB, Oregon State. I, Jude, I can't wait for that game on Sunday uh, against San Jose State. It's going to be a heck of a time. I cannot wait for that game. You uh, look at that point spread lately. Uh, I haven't. Last I looked, it was uh, like 16 and a half, 17 and a half, and I was uh, feeling the Spartans with plus the points. Same. But, it's too uh, much. It's too much. I love these beefs. It's too much. It's a little too much. Cordero's still there, right? Yeah, Chevin Cordero, man, former Hawaii great. Those guys are those guys are good. They're not uh, they're not half bad. Seven win season on their turf, like DJ Uyunglele's first game. I mean, is he gonna be comfortable enough? I love the run game, and I love most of the defense. Oladapo, I think, highlights that. By the way, great job. I I Thank loved you. your your style. Really nicely done. But I think it's like my seventh career interview, so can only get better from here. Seven is the number of completion and perfection. Um, motion in the lotion. <laughs> wonderful. Just wonderful. And I don't know. I just think that that's a, a pretty big number. Same number that Georgia was laying against Oregon last year. You really think that the Beavers should be laying that number against San Jose State? True, true road game, too. That's true a, road game? It's pretty much a true road game for Oregon That's last true. Year. It was, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. I can't wait for that. Um, here, Here's an interview with John. So we're going to play the Shador Sanders interview next segment. And uh, not very good. Not very good. That's all I can really say about it. You want to stay tuned to that. But here's an example of a quarterback from the FCS job and really represented his brand and his school and everything like that. Cameron Ward, Washington State Cougar quarterback. He was interviewed by John Kinzon on Friday over at Pac-12 Media Day. Here it is. All right. We're with Cam Ward, Washington State QB. Um, You were one of my favorite interviews last year because I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And we talked about your family, your mom and dad and upbringing. And I left going... Washington State's in good hands. Yes, sir. How did year one go for you? Year one went great. Um, you know, I was able to learn a lot about the Pac-12. I was able to discover what this team is, who I am. Uh, you know, we had some good games. We had some games that we f- we felt like we could have, you know, pulled through and won those, uh, you know, top games. Uh, but, you know, you look into the future, we added some great additions from the portal, from the incoming freshmen, and I feel like this season might be one of the best seasons for Cougar football. The Oregon game got away from you. Yes, sir. You should have yes, won sir. that game. We, we wish we would have won that game. Uh, but, you know, it all came down to us not executing down the stretch. You know, you live and learn by those situations, and, you know, you try not to repeat them year to year. Yeah, I saw you, uh, you know, as you stepped into the booth, Cam Rising was nearby. You, you called him the GOAT. <laughs> what uh, what makes Cam Rising good? Sir, he, he's the standard of Pac-12, man. He has two back-to-back championship rings, uh, you know, until he gets dethroned. Uh, you know, Utah's standard of Pac-12. They play hard physical football, and Cam Rising is the leader of that team. And, you know, until you beat him, you know, you can't talk about it. You can't talk bad about him. Uh, Washington State gets picked, you know, middle of the pack, and – do you use that as motivation? Um, yes, sir, I do. I, I'll use everything as motivation, though. You know, we, we always know we're never going to be picked to win the Pac-12, even if we come off having a national championship year one year. Uh, so that's just how the game goes. You know, you roll with the punches, and, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to go prove yourself right on the field. 
change in offensive coordinators uh, for you. It, it'll be life without Eric Morris. Mm-hmm. What's that been like for you so far? It's been good. Uh, Coach Arbuckle, as soon as he came in, he told me what we were going to do, what I want to do, what he wants to do. Uh, so it's a it's a good change, a new voice, a new face every day I see throughout the facility. Um, he's 27. So mm. that's that's awesome. He's a that's young, mind-blowing. As a young How old guy, are you? I'm 21. Okay. <laughs> so you only got six <laughs> years on me. Uh, but it's good, though. He talks my language. Uh, he knows what I like to do on the field. I know what he loves to do on the field. So, you know, I know he's going to dial up plays for me. And, uh, he's ready to get this thing rolling come September 2nd. Schematically, is there is there change, or is it kind of the same stuff with a twist? Uh, it's kind of the same stuff with the twist. Still air raid guy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to use tight ends like we did with Coach Morris, but I feel like we just do it in varieties of ways. Uh, it's a bunch of more different 11, 12 personnel formation that we have with Coach Morris. Um that was probably the biggest thing. When he first got there, he showed me those formations that the learn knows, and there was a lot of them. Uh, so, you know, Coach Arbuckle, he's for sure he's for sure has, uh, you know, a lot of bag to him. You know, he's going to bring that bag to him every game. Uh, you know, the one thing about Coach Arbuckle is that he's going he's gonna to let me know, you know, if I need to – if I need to get right, he's going to let me know if it's him, it's him. Uh, and we all take on that burden of being, you know, the OC and quarterback. We have a great connection already. And I know once we get this season started, we're going to show people what we're going to do. Cam Ward, Washington State QB, is with us. What do you need to improve on specifically? What's, uh, what's at the top of the list? I improved on my footwork. That was the biggest thing from last season. Last year I was a true backpedal in the pocket guys my drop this year i'm in the true one of a shuffle three-step drop um the right way um and now i'm more consistent with my pro my post stash pre-snap reads uh i knew what to do last year i knew the offense um but now i get through reads faster and i've also uh cleaned up my deep balls better throwing deep balls to, to the right to the left uh, and that was due to mm. just trying to place it over his shoulder just throwing it out there for him to give him a chance uh you know we have a saying in our quarterback room you know just throw it deep something good gonna happen you know mm-hmm. the odds are in our favor either we go catch or we go get a pi mm-hmm. so you know we're gonna uh we're gonna throw the deep we're gonna throw the deep ball for sure this year make an emphasis on it um but also gonna take the defense gives us and go drop go gonna do his thing did you get a vacation this summer did you go somewhere um yes sir i did me and my family we took a family trip to negril jamaica oh wow uh yes sir it's me my mom my two dad i mean my dad and my two sisters so you know it was a great it was a great trip and you know i'm excited you know, hopefully take another family vacation. Had you been there before? No, sir. No, what sir. was it like? Give us kind of the – give us the tour guide. Of, uh, so yeah. where we went to, it was more of like a, it was more of like a honeymoon slash uh-huh. marriage place. You yeah. Know, it was very – it's very kind of quiet. resort. Yeah. It was a, it was a resort. It's yeah. quiet like we like it. Uh, so we flew into Montego Bass where the cruises go to. Yeah. It was nice. The water is blue. Um, you know, we got a chance to go. See, we, we saw this glass boat. Uh, rode the boat, just glass on the bottom. see all the fish swimming. We yeah. had a chance to swim in the water, jump off a cliff. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of fun out there. did it they all. Had some good, they had some good food for sure. They got good food in Jamaica. So, you know, it was an exciting journey. Yeah. Uh, I will be back there eventually. Yeah. Uh, but I want to experience, it, experience is it, some new places. Is it hard? I have three daughters. One of them's in college. And it becomes more difficult to get that family time. Mm-hmm. And you got three in your family? Three kids? Three? Uh, is it? I'm the youngest. You're uh, the youngest. My oldest brother and two older sisters. Okay, so you have four of you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how hard is it to get you all together, the Ward family? Um, it's real hard, yeah. uh, especially, like, my schedule from really all year round. You know, I have football during the season, but the only biggest thing, I just need my mom and dad in stands, uh, in my opinion. You know, those two are my rock. They've been there since day one. Uh, my sisters come to my game, too. 
Uh, you know, when we have a game in Cali, uh, a lot of my family comes to the game. At USC, I had like 40 family members wow. come. We go to uh, Cal and UCLA this year. We have about the same, about 30, 40, just because it's the closest to Texas that they can make it. So, you know, family's a big thing for me. Uh, my family's here at Media Day right now. So, you know, I'm excited they to are. Them here. Are you the only player who brought family to Media Day? Uh, I think RJ Dad is here, too. Yeah. RJ's mom and dad is That's here. That's nice. Too. So you got a chance to go. By the way. Hot as hell here. It is, it is. But I, I, you know? I love it though. Do you? I need this heat, man. That Pullman heat is not no real heat. I tell you that. <laughs> they, I have some teammates from Washington. You know, yeah. they say it's hot. It's like, man, come down to Texas. I'll show you what's hot. Yeah, I, I walked out this morning. It was seven fifteen. Mm-hmm. It was ninety three degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is gonna happen today? Man, yes, you know? Sir, yes, sir. It's probably about one ten right now, man. It's about to be eleven o'clock. Yeah. 12 but o'clock. you like that? You like I that? Do. That. Texas mm-hmm. heat because you so grow up in it. it, you're used to it. Yep, and uh, it takes a, it takes a while. Like if you gonna come live in Texas, Vegas, it'll yeah. take you a while to get used to that heat. The Pacific Northwest, you know, I've I I grew up in California and I, it was warmer there, but mm-hmm. it, in the Pacific Northwest, I think I've got soft because it gets <laughs> about 88, yep. and I'm going oh. And it's oh. a lot of it's a lot of uh, places like in Pullman that don't have AC, yeah. uh, just because they only go through the you know the heat probably like two three months out of the year. Uh, so you know it, it is it is change a scenery for sure. Pullman, the I do love the weather there. The summer weather, it is nice. Like not one workout to me has been hot. You know I've just been breezing. You know weather wise by, but it's good. All right, Cam Ward, thank you. I appreciate you stopping by. Have fun with your family here yes, in sir, Vegas. Appreciate it. All thank right. you. Washington State quarterback Cam Ward right there with John Canzano from Friday. I feel like Cam Ward was really good last season, but I still wanted more. But I go back and look at his stats, 3,200 yards, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I mean, a really good season for Cam. Judah, it sounds like you're pretty high on Cam Ward uh, coming into this year with the new offense coordinator coming in. And just from a football standpoint, by the way, the OC is 27 years old. That's crazy. forget about that with Arbuckle. But, yeah, that's a young cat there. And Will Stein is, what, 33? So, again, some of those similar parallels going on in Eugene and, and Pullman. Um, I like what he said from a football standpoint about improving his footwork. Because you, you talk to any quarterback coach or guru and they say, it all starts with the feet, man. If you've got bad feet, you're going to play bad quarterback. And uh, for Cam Ward to say, I'm really working on refining my footwork and actually playing the position rather than just being an athlete, that's good to see. And I, I think he'll bear the fruit from that. Yeah, Cam Ward, he was awesome. Uh, you know, I think he came across very well. You know, From the FCS level to the Pac-12 level, it sounds great. Uh, coming up, we'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll listen to Shador Sanders from Colorado. I don't mean to bag on him because he is just a kid still. Uh, could have been nervous. Could have been a lot of things. But, you know, being Coach Prime's son, maybe had high expectations. He was one of the you know, the A-listers on the uh, on the list at Pac-12 Media Day. We'll listen to his interview with John Canzano. Very interesting. you want to stick around for that. I'm Stephen Vaughn, Judy Nubi as well, filling in for John Canzano on the Ball Face Truth Radio Network. Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano here, the Ball Face Truth. Judy Nubi is with me as well. As we left last segment, we heard Cam Ward, quarterback Washington State, talking. Um, you know, I thought he did a really good job, came across really well. I think for the most part, most of these quarterbacks did. You go back to Friday and you hear Bo Nix. You hear Michael Penix Jr. You hear Caleb Williams even. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams, I thought last season didn't come across great. This year came across really well. Uh, I thought he answered all the questions where, you know, John asked him about the fingernail thing and, you know, asked him a lot of tough questions. He answered it. He came across really likable in the interview, which surprised me. I thought it wouldn't be go out that way. No, I like Shador Sanders. I like Coach Prime. I think that Colorado is going to be above their win total of three and a half. I think they're going to be closer to five, maybe even six if some things go right. But 
Pac-12 Media Day on Friday, I don't think was Shador Sanders' friend when he talked to John Canzano. Here's the interview with Shador Sanders, quarterback at Colorado, talking with John Canzano on Friday in Las Vegas at Pac-12 Media Day. Pac-12 Media Day, I am here with Shador Sanders, the quarterback. That's how he was introduced to me. They said the quarterback. Is that how they introduce you now? I guess so. Everybody's calling you the quarterback. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, what's uh, the transition to Boulder? You moved locations. You moved zip codes. How's that been outside of football? It was the first time I really had to move myself. Really? Yeah, my dad was at the office working, so it was, hey, man, pack up, pack up the spot that you guys have in Jackson and y'all. Move out here. Yeah. It was it. A, I hate. I hate moving. In an apartment, looking looking for places to stay. Yeah. So I don't like much. moving. Did, I'm telling you. Yeah. Because you don't even realize how much stuff you got. Yeah. I've moved boxes. I don't even know what's in the boxes that are in my garage and they're still there. It kind of makes you kind of go back and ap- appreciate people who are like minimalist and don't you know travel with a bunch of stuff yeah i'm telling you i put all my stuff in clear containers so i can see i don't even use brown boxes i don't like those yeah i like i like those clear containers that i can see exactly what's in there yeah how are you feeling about the expectations for for the season a lot of people a lot of attention on this program which is good feels like another year same as any old year yeah like last year was the same thing yeah when Travis got to Jackson. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just, of course, more people talking about it now. But when you when you take out, say you take out the media of it and, and the expectation and everything, it was the same thing. Yeah. It, at some point, it's just football? Yeah, it's always just that. Y'all are the only ones that don't see it as that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, too, though, that it's it's exciting. It's, you know, Colorado hasn't had a lot of success. And now there's some hope there. There's some electricity around the program. There's energy around it. You know, you you were there at the spring game. That that, that doesn't happen or hasn't happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to be part of that? Feels exciting. Like is it a lot of a lot of this is repetitive to me. Yeah. Because I, I I've been there. We we done that. We made change. So it's just like. Everything is is just is just going back in full circle again. Growing up, uh, did you play other sports? Yeah. What What did you like that wasn't football related? Baseball, basketball. Okay. What do you think about pickleball? Have no, you Have you ever played pickleball? No. No. Do you see old people playing it in parks? Do you know what I'm talking about? Fastest growing sport in America. They got a court right over there across the room. No, I didn't know that. No. No, I never went it's to a park. It's too slow for you? you? I ain't never went to a park and see old people play pickleball. <laughs> I guess I'm not in the right areas then. I don't know. It's you know Everybody's playing it. Neighborhood, neighborhoods are getting uh, upset over the sound. I never heard of it. Never even heard of pickleball. No. See? That's why you come to Media Day. Yeah. We got, you got one thing out of that, out of, out of Media Day. Yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, Caleb Williams says he was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed swimming. You... Football, basketball, baseball. Guitar, piano, snowboarder, skier, chess player, checkers. Um, used to play Scrabble. So I did Are you good at Scrabble? My mom always used to win. Yeah, my wife beats me. I don't like playing because I can't beat her. Yeah, my mom always used to win. My best strategy is to pick really small words 
to frustrate her. So I don't even play Scrabble in like yeah. so long. I don't yeah. even remember how to don't play even, it. Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. You don't need to get into it. Yeah. But uh, chess and checkers, who got you into that? My mom. Mom too? Yeah. Like that. She she really the one that bounced, like off the field and stuff like that, really balanced this world. So we, we're real versatile and like worldwide and uh, be able to, to do different things. It's interesting because everybody wants to talk to you about dad. Yeah. I, I want to hear more about mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me more about her influence, what she's like. You know, obviously she's a big part of who you are. Yeah. I mean, she chill. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Did the athlete as well? Yeah. Like everything we've done, she probably done too. Yeah. Um, like when we work out, she'll work out. Um, everything like that. That's good. All right, do you think uh, there are a couple other chess players? You, you think you could take most of these guys in chess? These other Pac-12. Well, well, I think a, Caleb I'm, Williams plays some chess. I'm, I'm a little rusty right now. I'm, yeah. My focus has been really on the season and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like my mental be tired. So I yeah. really don't be having time to play chess like that. When you're walking around here, you're getting the same questions over and over again. Yeah. What is that like? I can't imagine just going through the same question. Yeah. You've been getting these questions for months, though, huh? Your whole life, maybe. Nah, really. Like my last three, my last two years of college, yeah, been the same thing. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. All this stuff is cool, but uh, all this stuff goes out the window when you start winning games and all. You know, all the, all those questions they 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 get to different questions and stuff like that. So it's always a change. Yeah. So it's just some. I guess it's just some for to bridge the gap between uh, July and August into yeah. the season. Well, I think it helps. Most schools, it helps because it, I think it helps sell tickets and stuff. But you guys don't have to worry about there being an empty seat in, in Colorado. Yeah. And that has to feel pretty good. Uh, when you go back, let's go back to you know when. Have you ever been on a bad team that lost? No, I won pretty much my my whole life. All right. Let's say there isn't success this season. That it's tough. I can't even fathom that. I can't even picture that. Really, there's too much that went in for yeah. it to not be that. So I don't, I don't think hypothetically, really in that regard. The the mental, I guess, reward that you get, is it all? It was, is it always a win, or have you ever had you know chess games or basketball games where you just said, I got better, I played against older kids, I got better, we played up a level. You know, is it about the personal improvement or is it just about winning? What you mean by that? Mean that sometimes when you play a game, you might not get the result you want. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't really think about all that. You have a bad workout; it's still a good workout. You know what I mean? No, we don't, we don't really have that type of mindset at all. If you lost, you lost. You won, you won. Yeah. That's like if you're alive, you're alive. If you did, you did. So it's just it's cutthroat <laughs> like that, yeah. straightforward. It's that yeah. if you had a good game, you had a good game. Yeah. If you had a bad game, you had a bad game. Best. Yeah. What's your favorite movie you ever watched? I don't. I don't really know the names of movies like no. that. You have a favorite actor, musician. Mm-hmm. Help us know you a little bit. You play guitar and piano. Yeah, I do. I, I can put you in the front row at any concert. Where are you going? I don't know. No. <laughs> it's just me. I just don't be really. I just don't really have a lot of emotions and phased by a lot of things. So yeah. it's just like. Yeah. Everything's just regular. Yeah. Like what I what I choose to do in my free time, that's that's yeah. that's what I choose to do. But how'd you get in the piano and and guitar, mom? Yeah, she 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 
we had lessons when we was younger. Are you like naturally music musically inclined, or yeah. I'm not? Yeah. What does that feel like? Yeah, we make music. We make all that. It was on Sports Center the other yeah. day. My dad was riding in the Maybach truck with me. Yeah. Uh, listen to my song. Like so, that. Yeah, we make music. All right. Enjoy that. Shador Sanders, hey, I appreciate you stopping by. Yes, sir. Get to know you a little bit. Uh, what do you want people to know about you? I chose it. I chose, when I made my decision, I chose to go to Jackson State. Could have went anywhere in the country. I feel like that's that's often like um, looked over. Yeah, but then the stats don't the stats don't lie. Yeah, everything don't lie. Travis chose to go to Jackson. He could win anywhere in the country. He dominated at that level, and I dominated as well. And um, so I don't know why it's a lot of why it's a lot of doubt for what you see the numbers you see. Yeah, what we done did there. You think success there means success anywhere? So that's basically saying if if you if you get an SEC quarterback. Um, and he has a lot of success. He's better than the quarterback in the SWAT. You think or no? No, I'm asking you. Oh, do I think? Uh, I don't know. I think it depends. <laughs> That's the thing. It, it got to be you got to look at the player for what yeah. it is and stop letting the optics of, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, he, 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 he got better players with him and all that stuff. Because you got to think that as we go to the Pac-12, yeah. okay, cool, we got Pac-12 players too. We got different players too. So it's just like. Yeah, everything goes up. I don't think why. Why do we feel this way in college? Even the NFL doesn't feel that way. Right. Yeah, I think if, love went first round. Yeah, I think if we take you and put you on an SEC roster, you're going to have success. So why wouldn't I have success in Pac-12? Well? I think you will. I did, uh-huh. I I wonder if you're going to have enough around you. I think that's the question. Yeah. In year one, some people think you're going to you guys are going to be fantastic. Yeah. But the media poll. Are you gonna wallpaper your room with that media pole? No, nah, because I don't, I don't, I don't let negativity, f- yeah, like fluctuate in my head, cause it's just like that's a poison for real. Yeah. So it's like you don't got no strong mental, you ain't really been through anything. When things go bad, you gotta be prepared for both. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like when when, when things real good and things real bad, it's not it's not it's a it's a level playing ground on both. So that's why it's just the whole month. You just mentally preparing to um. Just understand, okay, cool, it could be good, it could be bad stuff, but yeah, you can't, you, you got to be the same person just in life, not even in football. I like that. I think that's good advice. Thank yeah. you. Shudor, good to meet yeah. you, man. I appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah. yeah. Shudor Sanders. That was Shudor Sanders and John comes out of Friday, uh, Pac-12 media day. Now, I will say this, Judah, there were some things I liked. Uh, there were some things that I just didn't like as well. I mean, he just seemed really short. He seemed very annoyed. I think annoyed was the more thing that I took away from it. He had been there for a while at the same thing. You know, it's the same old questions over and over. So he could have just been, you know, he is only 21. He's still learning all these type of things. And I like Colorado in general. Like, I think they're, what they're doing is going to work out. But, man, Judah, this interview, I don't know, man. I, I, I just didn't like it. I thought Shadur would be a little more open about anything. Like, he was very closed off. Um, and it's got to be tough being Coach Prime's son. Like, no doubt. Like, he's been put in a very tough spot to succeed and to get me where he is right now is incredible. Um, I just wanted a little more. Uh, 503-417-7575. You want to comment on that interview? Would love to hear what you have to think about that. But I just wanted a little more, Judah. That was it. And I, maybe I was just expe- I was, maybe I was expecting Coach Prime, and I got Shadour, and so I was let down. But I just I, I wanted more, man. So I did not like the interview the first time I heard it. I've listened back to it now. I think three times. It's my favorite interview. <laughs> 
it's my favorite interview that John did because there are some cringe moments, but darn it, like I actually I started to sink into his mindset a little bit, and I'm I'm the opposite of you. I'm low on Colorado this year, but I'm starting to buy into whatever <laughs> Shador and Dion are doing. They don't give a flying crap about nothing. They don't. And look, as a media guy, I wish that you know they'd be a little bit more at least Shador in that instance cordial with the media. But you kind of have to. Well, I kind of respect the don't give a flying crap about anybody's you know opinion. I'm just going to do my thing. He could fail spectacularly, and we'll have to call him on on that if and when he does. But the stance right now on July 21st on Friday, it's getting less and less cringy to me, and more and more entertaining. I'll say. And it's one of these things where if they win, they're going to look unbelievable. And Shador and Dion are going to look like geniuses. If they fail and if they don't have a very good season, they're two and ten. That's when it could be a bad look because it's just something we've never seen before. We've never seen a team, an entire team, go about it this way. And so it's shocking to it's shocking to me. And I don't necessarily like it all, but I like what they're doing. I think it's going to work. Maybe not in year one like they think it's going to be, but I do think four or five wins is doable for Colorado. I think they have that kind of talent. I think Shador is a very talented quarterback. But, man, if they lose, let's just say they lose, you know, the TCU, they beat Colorado State, they lose to Nebraska, they are on the road at U- at Oregon, they play USC, they're one and four. I mean, how how is that going to work? Like, are, are they going to be out there being as confident as they are, like Shador was right there? Because I can't imagine, you know, let's just say they're really bad. Let's say they're one and seven or something, Judah, and Shador's not playing well. Is Coach Prime going to bench him? No chance. Yeah, no, uh, no chance. Like, I, I don't know. I it just, would be a zero percent chance. I agree, and I just Shadur might have to have his foot amputated before that happens. I just think there's a Hope lot. Coach Prime's okay, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do think this Coach Prime surgery. He just wanted. He doesn't want to go to Pac-12 media day, which is fine. I understand. It's a it's a grueling thing. It's a long day, but uh, love hearing everybody's thoughts. Five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five. What do you think, Colorado? We think of Shakur Sanders. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour two before we get to the happy hour. Hour three, five and five. We've got a couple more interviews we will play from Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. Judy Newby filling in. Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Stephen Vaughn, Judy Newby in for John Canzano. Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. We just heard John's interview with Shador Sanders. From Friday, Pac-12 Media Day. Judy, you loved it. I wanted a little more. Maybe I was just expecting Coach Prime to do his thing, and it's not Coach Prime. It's Shadour Sanders. And, you know, in fairness, 21 years old, like I said, but to have the expectations of your dad being Deion Sanders and the personality that he is, the fact that Shadour is so good already, it's a lot of credit to him. And I do think he's going to be very good in the Pac-12. I think he's going to be very successful. I think Colorado's offense is going to be really good. The question is defensively on the line, offensively on the line, can they block or can they rush the quarterback? But I do think Colorado has a chance to be solid this season. I think Shador's good. I just wanted a little more, but, uh, you know, good for Shador. You know, he did not want to be there, obviously. He did not care about anything, and he let it be known that he did not care about the interview with John Canzano. If he was a little older, if he was like an NFL vet yeah. and he did something like that, like John, knowing John, he would have gone in a little harder when there was room to go harder. You could tell John kind of let up a little bit because he he wanted he, he wanted to get yeah. out of him. He wanted to get more out of him. And to, to be honest, credit to John for getting 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that was hard. To, I don't think I could have done that. that that's hard to do. But you listen to interviews with John over the years, and if he feels like there's a you know an unnecessary, I don't know, you know, you say adversarial kind of attitude out of the interviewee, he'll go in. 
he'll go in and try to pry that out and figure out why and what have you. Like, he's not afraid. He kind of did that with Jaden Delora on Friday. Yeah, and I, frankly, but Jaden was, Jaden impressed me. Jaden Delora impressed me with how he handled himself, all, all things considered. But sure, do I think John noticed the moment, and he was a little bit softer for good reason, but... Uh, <laughs> Shadour, man, they're, they're raising the stakes, I think, because if he struggles, he's he's leaving a lot of material behind him for uh, for critics to to make a with. There'll be a lot of receipts that people can uh, keep track of. My favorite part was when John asked, "What's your mom like?" He goes, "She chill." <laughs> Waited yeah. three seconds, she chill, and that was it. That that was my favorite can answer. Can I write that on my next card back to my mom? Mom, thanks for being happy chill. Mother's Day. You chill. You chill. All right, that'll wrap it up for hour two. <laughs> hour three coming up next. We got the five at five. We got Kyle Whittingham from Utah. He'll be talking to John BFT Radio Network. Hour three is always the happy hour here at the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That is Judah Newby. We are filling in for John Canzano as he is out today. Technically, I think he's on vacation, but he's he's working. Camp Exceptional BFT Foundation. Great time over there. It was my first experience over at LaSalle High School being a part of that as my two sons are involved and having fun. I got the reports back. They had a great day. There's a lot of stuff uh, on the socials about the event today. It goes on all week. Just a great thing that they get the community together, get everyone helping out, get kids together playing sports, playing, getting active. That's always a good time. Judah and myself, though, we're going over a lot of the Pac-12 Media Day stuff as we have a ton of interviews that we have played already. We have more that we're going to play later on today because John interviewed a bunch of people and it was uh, too good for just one day. Didn't have enough time on Friday, but we, uh, you know, we played a lot of them. We heard from Shador Sanders earlier in the day. You can hear that interview. Um, I thought there's a lot more to be had from Shador. I wanted more. Uh, he just didn't want to give it to John. He just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. But again, you know, I say this, 21 years old, the son of Deion Sanders, a lot of pressure on that kid. Come over from Jackson State, now at Colorado. I think if Colorado's good, it's going to look great. And all the things that Coach Prime, Travis Hunter, Shadour, they're saying, they're going to look like geniuses. But if they struggle, which is a possibility, you know, they have a tough schedule all season long. Out the gate, it's tough at TCU. Colorado State, Nebraska, USC, Oregon. You know, those are just first five games they play. Oregon, then USC. You know, it could be a one and four start. And at that point, how do they react to being one and four when they've won everywhere they've gone? It'll be very interesting. But I think Colorado is going to pull off an upset over TCU or Nebraska. One of the two. I don't think they lose both. I think they get one of those. And they start out two and one when they head down to Eugene. At that point, college game day could be in Eugene. That would be great. College Game Day actually has announced this, Jude. I don't know if you saw this. Maybe it is part of your 5-5. Five five. I'll hold on to it then. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. Part of five 5-5, five and I do know where you're going. Yeah, College Game Day announced their uh, week one location. I'm excited, man. Charlotte, North Carolina. North Carolina taking on South Carolina. The game, whatever. It is what it is. We know. We know College Game Day will be at a spot. I just can't wait. College football season is upon us. You said it's about 40 days till uh, the Oregon Ducks opener against Portland State. That cannot come any faster. They give me college football straight in the veins. Let's go. Yeah, and the same thing's going to happen to me. That happens every year. I get fired up, all my homework done, then August 13th rolls around, and I'm like, when the hell is college football going to actually start? And I burn myself out. And then uh, and then week one or week zero will be here before you know it. I did meet a guy. There's a guy who works in our office. He works over at uh, Live 95.5, the, uh, the, the station over there. 
and uh, he's a big Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Like, he's going to the Notre Dame game in Dublin. And I was like, dude, how'd you pull that off? And he's like, dude, I just love Notre Dame. Me and my lady, we're going to go out there and make a trip out of it. I know Dan Patrick is going out uh, with the boys, and uh, Will Farrell is coming along as a honorary Danette for for that trip, which is great. Just a little stuff like that helps, you know, get me fired up too. Just, you know, that people are, they got some tickets, they're making plans, they're making trips. I know I'll be at a handful of games. You'll be at a handful of games as media. You know, it's it's coming up and it's very exciting, and especially in the Pac-12 where the stakes are so high and everybody wants it so bad. Well, that's the thing. I think this year there's so much expectations on the Pac-12 with all those quarterbacks coming back and then the new ones coming in, including Shador, DJ Uyunglele down at Oregon State. Arizona State got Drew, uh, Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Yeah, like, just a little bit different, you know. A little different there, but I mean. In fact, is he going to start? I don't know that. But why would he go to Arizona State and not start? Well, you know. Why are you transfer? They're rebuilding. That's true. Dillingham but, might play quarterback himself. Well, Dilly? He's, he's young enough. He probably, he probably has, still has eligibility. Has eligibility yeah. <laughs> but the quarterbacks are going to be great, man. The, the conference, I mean. I'm afraid that the conference is going to be very good, like so good that they just beat each other up. Oh, that's exactly what's going to happen. And they're not going to make you the can playoff. Put your, you know, put money in the bank. Look what happened to Oregon and Washington last year. Yeah. Now Oregon, even USC. I mean, USC was one game away, and then they run it. Oh, let's just run into Utah, the defending champs. And well, they just dump look, I, I look. I've got my problems with Caleb Williams, but let's the Hammy just crushed him in that game with Utah. And credit yeah. Utah. They're the ones that injured the guy, but... Their defense could not have stopped you and me. Yeah, probably. But USC was up 17-3, like, in the second quarter. Like, they had it rolling, and Utah couldn't stop that team. And then Williams runs for, like, a 60-yard gain, pulls up with a hammy, and the whole game's different. But, you know, at the same time, credit to Utah. I won't hit on Utah. <laughs> How can you? And by the way, if you finger paint, you know, F Utah, like, you... Kind you of get the, what you deserve. Yeah, I, I didn't. You like hear that him? Either. He told Gonzalo he's going to still finger paint. He's not going to write those words though. Still. I mean, he might just paint his nails like USC colors or something, right? USC All on right. it. That's fine. Can you imagine? It comes out still and weird. He plays Utah and it says F Utah again. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it past him. <laughs> All right. What that said, uh, Judah Newby is in charge here. No Anna today, so Judah, we run the five at five. Let's go. The five at five. Number. I just blank. Do we start with one or five? I think we start with one. Number one. I think we start with one. I literally That's just blanked. I don't know if we count down either. I don't pay attention. I literally just blanked right here on the spot. Uh, number one, Judah. Let's go. All right. Well, Stephen, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? Another NFL player suspended for gambling. I mean, what is going on? Denver Bronco defensive end, Ioma Uwazarike. Nailed it has been suspended indefinitely for violating the league's policy on gambling. Uwazarike bet on NFL games during the 2022 season. He can petition for reinstatement no earlier than July 24th, 2024. Exactly one year from now. He was a fourth-round pick in 2022. He played eight games last year. And uh, the Broncos said in a statement today, we were informed by the league that Uwazarike has been suspended indefinitely. Our organization fully cooperated but uh, the integrity of the game is very serious. And so now the NFL has suspended 10 players this year for violations of the gambling policy. Isaiah Rogers, Rashad Berry of the Colts, Demetrius Taylor, a free agent, Titans tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere, the former Ohio Stater. Um, you know, names like that. Jamison Williams got six games as part of the, uh, the Lions suspensions. But A, another one bites the dust. B, 
Is it weird that none of these guys are really all, any of them are star players and all of them are guys that are either rookies or still on their rookie contracts? Well, that's, that's what I was going to say is wake me when it's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. Wake me when it's a star defensive player. Because, look, I understand that this is going to continue happening because I don't think that even like myself, like I wasn't even for sure of what the rules were, of what you can do gambling wise. Like, why couldn't you just do it in the facility if you're not gambling on the NFL? If you're gambling on the NBA, why can't you be in the practice facility and gamble on it instead of have to walk to the street and do it? So I think there's going to be some more people that just did it and didn't realize it. That is against the rules. But I also think they're trying to make an impression by suspending these guys indefinitely or suspending them for a year or for a longer time. So when a quarterback, so that the quarterbacks or like, you know, star player doesn't necessarily get in trouble. They know the rules. They aren't, you know, they're aware of what's happening. You know, Calvin Ridley was kind of the first guy that did it. And he's a big time player. Like he's a really good player, but it was also the first time. And it was because he was injured and it was during the season. So it was a little different. These are all off season stuff. I'm with you. I want to see it happen to like, I don't want to see it, but I want to see when a big time player gets in trouble for suspension. Will they be suspended for a year or will it be half a year or will they change the rules, change the punishment for a bigger time player? I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I think this is going to continue to happen in all sports um, because it's just gambling is so relevant and so easy now on your phone. But I do find it interesting that it hasn't been any real big time players. Jameson Williams kind of, but he was injured. I want, I, I'm, I'm interested to see when it's a uh, big-time player that happens. Number two. Number two. Big money being thrown around by the, um, you know, the public investment fund down there in Saudi Arabia. This time, it's dipping its toe into the European football waters. Obviously, they already got uh, Ronaldo playing down there in Saudi Arabia for big money. So now, all halal, a Saudi team, has made a record bid for Kylian Mbappe, the French international star, to uh, try to join the league that Ronaldo just joined. So Mbappe, if you follow soccer, you know obviously who Mbappe is. Even if you don't, I think he's probably on the periphery of, okay, this guy, he's all—he's always at the celebrity events that, are, that don't have anything to do with soccer, and then you know he's really, really good at soccer. Apparently this bid is $332 million. Mm for Kylian Mbappe to join the Saudi team Al-Halal. Uh, Mbappe is in a contract dispute with Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, French people are going to crush me for that one. Paris Saint-Germain. There you go. I, yeah. um, whatever. Um, but sources told ESPN that Mbappe will likely sign with Real Madrid and not sign with this uh, Saudi team all halal, despite it being for $332 million. I mean, I guess if you're, really? I guess if you got like generational wealth already, what's another 332 million. But I look at that and I say, how could you not sign that contract? Like I'm signing up with that team yesterday. If they are offering that to me. And again, it goes back to the whole NIL thing, all this money stuff. Like I don't blame anybody for taking the most money possible. Like this is your job. That's kind of the point of working is to get paid and to be able to live. And if that's your choice, that's your choice. I do find it interesting that Mbappe, if he says no and he wants to, you know, play somewhere else for less money, good for him because I think that's what he wants. And that's, you know, whether whatever the reason is, whether it's ethically, whether it's team wise, whether it's championships, who knows? I don't know. But, I, you know, I do find it interesting that he's going to turn down 330 plus million dollars for one year. That is, I can't imagine seeing that contract, seeing that number, be like, I'm good. Thank you. By the way, this can be um, 
you know, two B. Did you see Messi debut Friday with Inter Miami? I did. Messi turned down big money from Saudi and joined the the mighty Major League Soccer Inter Miami, last place in the East. Now, yeah, they are last place is what I've heard. And I, but I will say this, and I think I understand why he went there. There was also a picture of uh, Messi at a grocery store, and nobody was talking to him. No one was surrounding him. Nothing. They also showed a picture of him in Argentina at a restaurant. At least a thousand people were around the restaurant because they knew he was there. And I think that's, you know, he's getting a lot of money. He's getting stuff like within the league. So not only is he getting paid a lot of money, he's in Miami, not a bad place to live. He also isn't recognized by people. He can walk around like a normal dude and no one even recognizes. I think that for him, that's great, right? And that might be worth it not to take that money to play in Saudi Arabia. I don't know. I don't know what the whole thing is, but I just, again, I just find it hard to uh, say no thank you to 300 plus million dollars, Judah. Because I tell you what, I would love the Saudi radio network to come after me. Hey, Steven, sign here for uh, $200 million. For Okay, see ya. See you later, John. See you later, Judah. I'm out. Find someone else. That would be great. Hey, that's good to know. Yeah. So I can go ahead and send got, them your way. You got you got there. I got the number down. B, can you I, match that contract? I'd be afraid to turn them down. You know, I wouldn't want to be, you know, people, they don't treat I'll, American media very well. I'll that's come back. At least I'll the report cards. So. I'll come back if you uh, match the salary. <laughs> you match. You'll be yeah. restricted free agent. Yeah, restricted. I don't want to get an RFA battle with the public investment fund. I signed an offer sheet. I, I'm going to lose that. Right, <laughs> ten no. times out of ten. I promise you that. All right, number three. Uh, speaking of 10, you see that Twitter is officially rebranding, apparently, to the logo X. Elon Musk muscling up and uh, doing something bold once again. So early Monday morning, Elon Musk formally changed the iconic Bluebird logo on the social media platform Twitter to a new black and white X that he revealed the day before. It was displayed on the uh, company's headquarters in San Francisco early Monday morning. So Twitter's official account on the platform also has the name X. I saw this last night, and uh, I know he said X.com, so I logged on to X.com as well. Curious. You know what I saw? It redirected me to Twitter. Oh, nothing, nothing. I thought it was going to be something no, very naughty. No, it wasn't. I was sitting on the can, <laughs> looked up X.com, and it took me right back to Twitter. Well, okay. Is it still going to be called Twitter, or are they going to rename it? I th- I don't what know. Do th- I don't know I either. I feel like they should rename the thing. I feel like it- Twitter kind of sucks as a name. Twitter, but a tweet, I think a tweet sounds good. Like, oh, I tweeted that. I still now don't what like is, the word tweet. But what is it now going to be? Because like, I saw it's called an exit or something. Or is I, that was just a joke? An excrete? An exit. That Because I tell you what, it feels excrete? like people are just excreting on that platform. You know what, Maybe I just. That's maybe all it is. It might have been a troll account, but I saw it. it was well, like, they're right. To make it X E E T. I like that. What was to, that? To, ex, to excrete. Exit? An exit? I got an exit right now. No, people, I, uh, I don't know. I, just, I like calling them Twitter posts, not tweets. Tweets, uh, tweet, tweet it. This is flighty. It's weird. It's also if you change I, if you change the letter or two, you can yeah. get something. Bad. I don't want a social media platform. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want a social media platform to be like the same noise. Like I'm trying to teach my daughter animal noises now. Like she's getting to that age. Where oh it's yeah. Like, Here's what a bird says. It's tweet, says, tweet, tweet, tweet. And it's like that's what your dad does too. Like well, you can go chirp, chirp. I might, I might. Or have is to that pivot. like a? I might have to pivot to chirp. Or is that like a baby chick? That's all. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I mean. Very confusing. Yeah, see, I'm a veteran as a parent. I know. So just change it to X.com already, and, you know, everyone will be happy. I, again, I don't... Or just X. I don't you want... Hey, man, you want X? You want X? 
like a that drug. Might be a drug though. It's like insert drug name here. Um, I don't really. I mean, Never Twitter is just Twitter's a weird place. I I enjoy it, but I also hate it at the same time. Is this a good move or bad move? Then I have no idea. I I don't get the whole deal with. Are you even on Threads, bro? I'm not, but I don't. I don't Do you get, even thread. I don't even get the whole hate with Elon Musk. Like whatever. He's he's doing what he wants. He's famous. He's tons of money. It doesn't. It hasn't affected me one bit. Like. There was one day where it was uh, the the tweet limits were over overloading for me. I couldn't check out Twitter, and that was like the day the Dame trade was uh, you know requested. That was unfortunate. That was unfortunate. But besides <laughs> that, I've had no real problems since he took over. So I I don't care. It just it's weird. It's weird that you're changing the whole logo to just a letter, and that letter has nowhere is nowhere involved in the website at all. Like it just it seems seems weird to me. But you know what. He does what he wants, and everyone's talking about it now, so I think it is good. And uh, X.com, you want X? I'm okay, I'm down with that one. You want yeah, X, bro? You want X, bro? <laughs> you want to X me? <laughs> All right, number four. You want to X me? <laughs> That's good. Uh, I know the golf fan that you are. Uh, British Open came and went over the weekend. Brian Hartman won at 12 under. Hmm. Not sure if that deserved to be in the 5 at 5, but I was looking forward to watching the British Open. It starts at, you know, the early part of dawn as they say and uh i was a big into rory and you know nothing special this had no drama basically from friday through sunday and you know brian Harmon, left-handed american wins the british open you know i love a good left-hander i'm left-handed when i golf so uh, there you go yeah so good for him uh yeah i wasn't too locked in saturday night no money on it no saturday throw anything on cam smith no i did boy i I did your shouty he's been he's been failing me lately but you know, Saturday night we were down at Dude Perfect down in Eugene. So That's right. So I was focused on that. How that, was that? That was a great, was a great time. They they get it. I tell you what, you may not be a fan of Dude Perfect and what they do. They're like a trick shot group on YouTube, and you may think, oh, they're just YouTubers. But man, they got a lot of money and they get it. Like that place was popping. The kids were going crazy. It's you know family friendly. I'm in, man. Well, they, I heard though. You know, speaking of Saudi. They took, I heard they. I heard that they took they, a little uh, Saudi money. Out. They took a little Saudi money. Dude, perfect. But hey, you know what? The they're going to open up an amusement park that all kids are going to oh, want okay, to go well, to, and then. they're going to make a bajillion dollars from YouTube trick shots. All so, is forgiven. Then. All is forgiven. Uh, number five. Uh, yeah, number five. Uh, Oregon State renovations going on at Reeser Stadium, but uh, a lot of whoop to do. That it's going to be a lesser capacity at Reeser Stadium now than it was. Before the renovations, big deal or no big deal? I think it's going to be around forty three and a half thousand at reason. No big deal. I think it's good, but I will say this: I kind of think last year the crowd and Old Abba talked about in our interview, like the crowd was louder than he'd ever heard it. And I think either they were pumping in a bunch of noise. No, no. Oregon State, no, never. They never. Break or rules. the fact that everyone was just so close. It was such a you know tight knit environment there. It actually made it louder. Where if it goes any bigger. Maybe that home field advantage goes away a little bit. They've lost one game in two years, Judah. Look, as a Seahawk fan, people have accused us of artificial crowd noise for years, and it's just not true. That's just the twelves. It's just the acoustics. It's the acoustics in the twelves. We're just that loud and just that rabbit. Same thing at Reezer. Nothing to see here. They do things on the up and up the right way. Nothing pumped in. It's all real, and I expect it to be twice as loud this year. Uh, yeah, they would never. How dare they? No. Oregon State... That's a good don't Christian you wish, town. Don't you don't you wish that their home opener was against someone besides UC Davis? Um, I, I, I can see that, but I, I kind of need to win. Yeah, I need to get the slow ramp up. I don't know. I need to get the three and zero non con. I mean, I would I would lo- rather have it against San Diego State. I think that'd be way cooler. Or even if you had San Jose State at home, I think that'd be cool. But UC Davis, like, it's just a guaranteed win. There's gonna be no. 
Not, ex- I don't know. Right, well, you know, I'm just here for the drama. Bilotti and Elioti went to UC Davis, so there's a lot of duck blood that you can uh, you can get yourself revved up on. Oregon State, they've lost one home game in two years. Judah, do they lose another one this season? I will read you off the home games that they have this season. I have them in front of UC Davis, win. San Diego State, probably win. Utah on a Friday. Uh, They play at at home against UCLA. They're at home against Stanford. They're at home against Washington. Over under one and a half losses at Reese Stadium this year for the Oregon State Beavers. Ooh, you put it at one and a half. I'm definitely going under. You okay. put it at a half? I'm thinking about it. All right, give me a – then I were under a half then. Because I think they beat Utah Friday night. I think that's yeah. – it's just Friday night, Oregon State, give me the Beavs. Calling it right now. Like, you know, they're obviously – they'll probably be favored in that one as they should in all their home games. The Washington game's the one – that's the tricky one. What about UCLA? Mm-hmm. See, I, I think – I don't see a quarterback going into Reeser that doesn't know what the hell he's doing and beating that Beaver team, even with the changes on defense. See, I, I think those are three tough games at home. I don't think they can win all three of them. I think they get lose one at least. That's why I put it one and a half. So it's like, do they lose two of those? I don't think they lose two. Because you, you look so? at last year, it was USC and Oregon. There's two. They could pull off both upsets. If they play one more team, I think it's probably a loss. I don't know. I think this is three tough. I, I'd give it one. I'd go over the half. I just think that de- even with the changes on defense, I still think they'll be they'll be tough at home. Probably from here on out, as long as Smith and Trent Bray are there. I also have them under eight and a half wins. So you hate, man. But you love, you really like the Beavers. But deep you're down, I'm on the win total. Deep down, I love the Beavers, and I just, I don't know. I, I are you? Ju- is this just a psychological hedge? Yeah, it is. is no, that what you're doing. It's not. I and the thing is, is I love Jonathan Smith. I love the running backs. I love Trent Bray as a coach as well, defensive coordinator. He just signed the contract extension. I love all of it. I just I need to see it because they've lost so much on defense uh, with Jane Grant, Alex Austin, Rajon Wright, Omar Spates. They lost all those guys. Is Oregon State ready to make that plug and play defense? Are they really have that kind of depth that we see out of these other high, high major programs? I don't know that we're there yet. And maybe they are. And maybe the recruiting has gotten better. Jonathan Smith, great offensive coach, Rhett Bray, great defense coach. Maybe Bray's just going to coach him up and do it that way. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they get over eight and a half. I hope they get nine, ten wins, and they're competing for, you know, the Pac-12 championship. I just, I kind of need to see it first because they are, they've lost a lot of talent, and I just don't know with the recruiting rankings where they're at. Are they ready to be a plug-and-play defense? I'm just not ready to see it. Offensively, though, I will say, I have so much trust in Jonathan Smith, and I've seen him do it with bad quarterbacks. You know, not that Gil Branson's bad. He's okay. Uh, but Chance Nolan, not great. He won games with those guys. I have no questions about the offense. Uh, we'll take a phone call here. If you want to call in, 503-417-7575 is the phone number. My guy, Sean, and Sandy's calling in. Sean, what's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to bring up the fact that the lamest part at any Blazer game is when you hear on the loudspeakers people trying to tell you to yell defense. You know, when you hear that in the background or you – you see a cheerleader going around with a, a sign that says, get loud. That's lame. You know, and you're looking around at people that never been in a mosh pit, don't know how to even get rowdy, and you got to tell, tell your fans how to get rowdy. That's the worst, brother. I uh, don't disagree with you. I also think it's lame that we need to chant defense at the Blazers because they don't ever play defense. Like, if it worked, that would be one thing, but they don't play defense. <laughs> like, what? maybe we should chant, like, offense when they're on defense and then maybe it's reverse psychology. I don't know. Something's got to give there though. We haven't talked much Blazers because there's just not much to talk about right now. I, I wish, I wish I had Damian Lillard news. 
I've asked people, nobody knows anything. That that that's the report I've gotten back is, you know, I'll ask, is Dame going? Is he really going to Miami? Is the Blazers getting trade offers? My responses back are, Stephen, nobody knows anything but with curse words. That's that's what people tell me. So I don't know what to believe. I do think we're still early on in the process. We're getting closer though. Uh, like I said, Jaime Jaquez for the Heat rookie. He's eligible to be traded in about a week. I think he's going to be an integral part of the trade. And I also think the Blazers do want to make Dame happy and give him to Miami, but they don't know him anything. And it could come down to where, you know, Joe Cronin says, this is a full rebuild. I'm going to get as much as I possibly can. Let's do that. Uh, but what remains to be seen, it, you know, it's still a lot left here in the offseason. We just wrapped up summer league. The training camp will be here sooner than we think. And I do actually think when training camp starts, Damian Lillard will be a, on the Trailblazers roster. Will he be suiting up? Will he go to training camp? I, I don't know yet. I think he will. I think he starts with the Blazers, though. Interesting also, big thing today in uh, Blazers Twitter land. Season ticket pictures, Judah, they were out there like on uh, you know on the websites. There was a lot of talk that there was a lot less Damian Lillard than there used to be. A lot of Anthony Simons. Some Scoot Henderson, some Nurkic even. I think there's only one thing with Dame on it. But there's something. There's one. But there is something. So you're saying there's a chance. That's because that's literally they're saying there's a chance. I can't believe they still they took down the Dame poster on Moda Center the day of the Dame meeting with Goodwin and Cronin. Apparently that was just window cleaning though. I I showed you that. I I don't believe it. I think somebody knows something. They knew. They knew. How come on? That timing, that's too weird. It is weird. You telling me Dame and his agent meet with the Blazers GM and within an hour his poster's coming down from Moda Center? Wait, is it back up? Just, ha- just did, happen. Did someone put it back up? Just someone ha- riddle me that. Just happen to do that. window cleaning that yeah, day? Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. They, they, not they buying did. it. I'm not either. All right, that's enough Blazer talk. That's enough Dame talk. We're going to go back to Pac-12 Media Day. John Cazano, he sat down with the Utah head coach, Kyle Winningham. It kind of makes sense that we're talking about it here on day two of uh, our media day because they're getting overlooked again. They're back-to-back champions. Why are we not picking them to be first? John asked Kyle Winningham. We'll hear that full conversation coming up after the break. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That's Judah Newby. We're filling in for John Canzano here on the Bald Face Truth. Bald Face Truth, Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano. We've been going over a lot of Pac-12 media day interviews that have rolled over to today. We're going to play one now from Friday. Pac-12 champion head coach back-to-back years, Kyle Whittingham. He joined John Canzano on the Ball Face Truth. Talked about uh, some disrespect Utah's still getting even after winning back-to-back championships. Where should they be ranked in the Pac-12 media poll? They're third. Here's John Canzano talking with the head coach of Utah, Kyle Whittingham, on the Ball Face Truth. Pac-12 media day would not be complete without Kyle Whittingham. Two-time. Pac-12 champion. Uh, you don't come in here with the entourage and the rings. <laughs> you know you're understated. Take your coat off when you sit down. That's uh, that says a lot about you. That's more my style. Yeah, a, little more, a little more low key. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like? Okay. So I was I was thinking about this. That the 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 media rankings come out. Nobody picks Utah. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Yeah. Why what? should they? We're only. We're only back-to-back champs. Why would they pick us? Are you going to wallpaper your <laughs> office with that thing? We'll get a little motivation out of that. Yeah, we don't. We don't. To be honest, we don't pay a whole lot of attention. But our 
you know our guys are uh, fully aware of uh, of what goes on and and we'll use that to our advantage my uh wife and i took our daughters to new york city oh, summer new york. vacation we kind of just this yeah just a couple weeks there. ago i was yeah. there a month ago what'd you yeah. do there well you were there everything we yeah central park yeah uh, ground zero plays yeah uh what did you see uh, did you see saw a michael jackson this time oh you did it was great yeah, yeah i took so we have younger daughters and we took them to lion king See that? they were in tears yeah, yeah. they thought it was the greatest thing yeah, ever to... that's exceptional that yeah it's exceptional and, and to see somebody performing at the doing their craft at the highest level those performers it's it's remarkable it is it is it's a real treat did you have family vacations like that as a kid with your dad no we were more uh you know we did take vacations but it was all lake powell you know it's a lake you know growing up in utah it's about uh what four hours away and so that was that was our go-to as we uh, you know take our ski boat down there and uh but other than that we didn't get out much and so uh we've expanded our vacation you know in our own family and you know we go to hawaii a lot and, yeah uh jackson hole right up the, right up the yeah. road in wyoming uh, south carolina got a buddy that lives in charleston that we go visit every year so so we get around pretty good do you are you able to unplug uh, yes a, i yes. have a hard time with that yeah. help me out how do you well, unplug? What do you do? You put the phone down. You just, just get you... eight grandkids around you. That, that'll unplug you right away. <laughs> that'll be a so. while for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got eight number nine coming in wow. September, and so uh, the over under is twelve. By the way, if you want to place a bet, yeah. So, so uh, that really has uh, been the fun, especially for my wife. She she's just eating this grandma stuff up, and and uh, our oldest is seven years old. You know, grandchildren. Yeah. So so that uh, there's never a dull moment. The grandparents will always say that it's the best because you get to you borrow them and then you get to send them back. Exactly is true. Is that true? That's exactly how yeah. it works. That's the routine. Yeah. All right. Let's go back. Uh, football wise, Pac-12 title game. Was, how gratifying was that for you guys? Very much, and uh, it was. Uh, you know, it didn't start off ideally. You know, we got down pretty similar to uh, to what the uh, earlier game in the season mm-hmm. was, and, but our guys, uh, you know, they're they're resilient. They're tough. Uh, they were not going to be denied that night, and uh, we came out on the right end, obviously, and, and very satisfying for that group to to uh, be back-to-back conference champs. I was at both those games, and you're right. It was like a movie. You know, in the beginning of the movie, the protagonist always gets beat up. Yep. and you know, and, and Rocky. You, it was an old Rocky yeah, show. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> and, and, and like in the, I believe in the first time, the first game against USC at your place, Second half, six of your last seven drives, I think you scored touchdowns yeah. on, and the only yeah. one you didn't, you fumbled inside the five. Right. Like right. the offense just figured exploded. something out yeah, and exploded. Exactly. What does that feel like when you're coaching and everything is unfolding as you saw it on film and your game plan for? Yeah. It's surreal at times. I mean, to, to have that happen and things, things uh, see your guys perform and, and do what they're coached to do, and and uh, very gratifying, very rewarding, rewarding. Cam Rising, um, everyone's going to ask you about his health. Uh, you know, I know how important he is to your team. He's here. Uh, how how is he? He's doing well. He's right on track now. When I say he's right on track, it's going to come right down to the wire still because when you do the the timing of when the surgery was and when the you know when he's going to be fully cleared, it's going to be close. And so, I uh, can't say right now whether or not he's going to be available for game one, but I can say that he's in a great spot. There's been no setbacks, and uh, you know if Cam Rising is able to play he'll play here's what don't tell anybody you don't have to tell me or media you don't owe us any of that you know it's there's some gamesmanship too you can you're allowed to do that a little you're allowed to do that but but this is you know it's typically (laughs) eight months when you look at acl you know it's the standard answer eight months and so that that's going to put him right up to the uh to the 11th hour yeah uh he will be able to start fall camp with us 
in a limited capacity. You know, okay. He's not going to be hit or anything. Not that he'd be hit anyways, but but uh, he'll have some restrictions. But we'll see how he progresses. And that's really going to be the litmus test is how he progresses during fall camp and and uh, how that knee is tolerating things and, and uh, swelling, soreness, all that stuff. So it's to be determined, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's a marathon, though, right? That I mean, you, you, you would – you would not sacrifice Absolutely putting him not. in there. No way. Yeah. There's not a chance that we put him in there if he's not completely ready. All right. This conference has got really good QBs. It's yeah, got some it really good teams. I don't remember it being this competitive, maybe in the top six. It looks like anybody can beat anybody. I would agree with you. How, I would agree with you. How do you navigate that? Or Well, same way we did last year. I mean, it was very similar. The, the same six teams that ended the season ranked. Uh, last year will be preseason top 25 this year. I'm fairly certain of that. And so uh, there's never a week off. It's a very balanced conference. Uh, you got to bring your A game every single Saturday. And and uh, that's just how we always operate. I mean, you got to be ready to play every single week. Can I do a little X and O with you here? Sure. Can you educate me? <laughs> so when I talk to Jonathan at Oregon State, Jonathan Smith or Jim Mahalchek, his offensive line oh, guru, exceptional coach. Or, uh, yeah. They will, uh, they'll kind of wave it off, like you know, they, they've got the secret sauce, and they don't want. But you scout against them, you play against them, you game plan against them. What do they do in the run game that makes them so effective? Well, first of all, it's the efficiency of the offensive line. Those guys are so well coached. Uh, they're all on the same page. Their fundamentals, their techniques, uh, the tenacity of which they play, uh, is it's a pleasure to watch. And I, I believe we are in that same mold. Jim Harding, our offensive line coach, I think is one of the best, if not the best in the country as well. And we're, There's a lot of similarities and parallels between the two programs as far as our style and our approach. Uh, they're committed to running the football and, and uh, you know being a, a tough, hard-nosed uh, team, and that's exactly our philosophy. But uh, they're, they're just so in sync. Their 5-0 linemen are just so in sync. And, and you can just tell uh, the coaching, the level of coaching that they're getting be, 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 you know, by how they play and how they perform. Because you would think schematically uh, that everything has been invented. Yeah. You would think, right? <laughs> yeah. So then does it just come down to your ability to coach, execute, and then talent? That's a huge part of it, obviously. And, you know, it starts with recruiting. you got to get the raw material. If you don't have the raw material in there, then you got no chance. But, but you get the right guys to fit your system, and uh, you get the right culture. Uh, the right mindset with the players, the right toughness, the right work ethic, it all comes together. All right, another Jonathan Smith. I said to him, look, I was looking at the portal, and I said, gosh, I think Utah lost maybe five or six guys in the portal, and Oregon State was right in there too. I said those two programs, very different than some of the other places that are look like revolving doors. Right. And he just said culture, and he walked away. Yeah. Is, that, is it that simple? It, it is that simple, and, and also when you look at the portal, uh, a lot of times it's addition by subtraction. You know, some of those guys that went in the portal needed to go in the portal, and they just uh, were a little bit uh, out of their league at, uh, at our, in, our, in our program. And, and uh, we have very f honest conversations with our guys, and if we feel that they're uh, going to have a hard time ever getting on the field, we tell them early on. And uh, in fairness to them, and those guys appreciate it. And if, if yeah. it's their decision to make, okay, do I want to wait around for two or three years before I even get a shot, or do I want to get somewhere that maybe suits my ability level? You ever had better? a kid say, "I want to, I want to stick around," and then once in a while, but and not then, very often, and not then very often. But you, then, do they blossom? And you go, "Hey, I'm glad you stuck around," or does uh, it usually go how you sometimes, think? Sometimes, but usually, you know, <laughs> we're, 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 you know, the percentages are in our favor right. that we we can see the writing on the wall and. And uh, I think it does a kid a service to be able to tell him exactly where he stands and not, not try to bait him into staying and, and uh, you know, and, and give him false hope. Kyle Whittingham, we will see you down the road. Thank you. Okay, John. Appreciate Thank you. you. Appreciate yep. it.
That was Kyle Whittingham with John Canzano on Friday at Pac-12 Media Day. Utah, you know, they uh, were preseason picked third in the Pac-12. You look at their Pac-12 conference odds, their fourth best odds in the conference to win the Pac-12. They're 6-1 to one plus 600 right now. You can bet Utah, you know, they're back-to-back conference champions Last season against USC, they weren't expected to win, but I think you know you talked about this a little bit, Judah. That you know the Caleb Williams injury definitely helped them get that win this year. Over under eight and a half wins. Their under is actually juiced a little more than the over. You know it seems like a little more likely they go under according to Vegas. I think the Cam Rising injury is very interesting. You know, Coach Winningham mentioned that he may not be ready for Week One when they play Florida down at or down at Rice Eccles, which I think. If you're not going to have Cam Rising, at least as a home game, and it's not at Baylor, which they do play week two, but that's a brutal stretch to start the season. Florida and then at Baylor, if Cam Rising is not healthy, I you know, I don't know this. I Like he said, if he's ready to go, he's going to play. He's going to be a gamer. But Utah, I think, is in a very interesting spot. Again, back-to-back champions, but I think we're all kind of overlooking them a little bit, including myself. Am I? Were we just crazy? Should we not be doing this? Should we learn? Oh, boy. In a way, yeah, but... If you win the conference back-to-back years, actually, the odds are not in your favor to do it a third Mm. time. Now, typically, that's because you've got quarterback change, and they don't, but they've got a guy on rehab, you know, what's Cam, like 82 years old at this point? He's older than his coach. So here's my sneaky thing with Utah. I actually, now that I think about it with them, of course they want to win the Pac-12, but this is a program that's won the conference back-to-back years, and then, Stephen, what's happened? They've gotten to the Rose Bowl and lost on the national stage against big non-conference competition. Ohio State the first year, and then Penn State last year. Now, obviously, Rising got hurt in both games in the second half, and, you know, they, they the Ohio State game, and they Smith and Jigba one. goes for 320 yards receiving and three touchdowns. I mean, go Seahawks, you know what yeah, I'm saying? He's like, the Seahawks, yeah. It's, ama- it's just amazing. But, you know, Oregon beat that team in Ohio State week two of the season. I actually think because of that, they're going to swing for the fences with both this Florida game and this Baylor game. Because if I'm Kyle Whittingham, enough with this stuff that we can't win big non-conference games. Because they lost last year at Florida as well. Against the quarterback that ends up going fourth overall. You know, and arguably nobody even saw that right. after the Utah game. But still, you're against a team that finishes 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. Okay? That the Beavers blast. Obviously, they didn't play half their guys. Tough, but, yeah. You know, the Beavers crushed those guys. So... You got. I think this Florida Week One game and Baylor Week Two game are actually pretty freaking massive for Utah, even more so than just being intriguing matchups on paper. It's it's big for the reputation of Kyle and Cam Rising. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, they are double digit favorites over Florida. I do know in Week One okay. uh, at home. I mean, because Florida is a little bit down. I think with uh, Billy Napier, can he actually coach? Whatever. But you might be right. It might be a little unfinished business. Baylor is. Dave Aranda can freaking coach. That's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun one. I mean, Gr- Grimes, their OC, is a really good play caller, too. That's going to be a fun game. But, yeah, I think you might be right. I think Utah may be looking like, you know, it may not be a college football playoff. I think the last year was a college football playoff season that they looked for. They didn't quite get it. But this year, it's like, you know what? If we get back to the Rose Bowl, let's get a Rose Bowl for Cam Rising. Yeah. And you heard Cam Ward earlier say that he's the GOAT of the Pac-12 conference. You know, he may be right now because guess what? He's won the conference the last two years. You can't count that guy out. Can't count that. You I know, mean, that guy one is... One leg, a, one arm, whatever. That he, guy is a gamer, man. He's he, a gamer. He's fun to watch, but I, I'm intrigued by this Utah team. They, you know, 
they have maybe two of the toughest games non-conference for any team in the Pac-12, and you know they don't have to go play these games, but they choose to play these games, and they've lost a lot of these non-conference games in the past, though. You know, you look at the Florida loss, uh, they lost at San Diego State. I remember a couple of years ago, they've lost some you know non-conference games that actually come back and haunt them a little bit. Where you know you go back and you look, and uh, you know they lost to BYU a couple of years ago as well. So I don't know, man. That's a sneaky top rivalry in the country. Holy war. Yeah. They, <laughs> and now Sataki's Sataki's it, in the Big 12. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's true. Oof. UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU all in the Big 12 this year. That'll be weird. What do you think? How do you think? Dude, week two, there's a lot of Big 12, Pac-12 games, including Oregon, Texas Tech. George Klyovkov on his interview with John was joking Friday that as soon as they get their media rights done, he wants to go to Brett Yormark and say, let's have an annual Pac-12, Big 12 football Rivalry. I don't hate it. I think that's I think that's great because now Pac-12 and Big 12 fans hate each other <laughs> over media rights. Let's hate each other on the field. Yeah, figure it out. Over the media rights, we hate each other. Now you know, it's a beautiful thing. Field. Yeah, it's a free rivalry. Me, I'm gonna have to rethink my Utah position here. I would have had. I probably would bet them under, but at the same time, how can I? How can I do that? And eight be, and a half. Yeah. How can I do that and feel right about it? We gotta look at that roster again. They got a couple of guys on the O line. They got Jaquindon Jackson back, who uh, he's good. He averaged oh, almost eight yards of rush the last four games of the season. Like he really came on the line the last four and rushed for you know like four hundred something yards. But it the thing with awesome. all of it is Morgan Scally is a great defensive coordinator, and Ludwig is a great offensive coordinator, and Kyle is running the ship as tight as anybody can run a ship. lose Dalton Kincaid, though. I think that's a big loss. I mean, he was definitely the security blanket for Cam Rising last season. So, Well, he had the injury, didn't he, for a lot of it? or him He was hurt, yeah. but Keithy was hurt a Keithy, little bit, yeah. too. But yeah. Keith, Keithy's back. He was supposed to be the better one. Right? I know you love yourself some Brent Keithy. I love Keithy. He's you're, great. You're all about that Keithy. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll uh, take a break here. Before we get in trouble. Yeah. Before I accidentally say what I, Keithy. What I accidentally said off the air. All right. We'll take a break here. We come back. We'll wrap the show up here. This is Stephen Vaughn. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That's Judah Newby. We're filling in for John Canzano on the Ball Fish Truth. Ball Fish Truth. Stephen Vaughn. Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano today. John and Anna both out at Camp Exceptional helping out there with the kids. Great event they got going on, helping kids all around, playing sports, getting active. A lot of fun. Like I said, my kids are out there. They had a great time today. But, uh, Judah, as we wrap up the show here, let's just go and uh, look at the conference future odds for the Pac-12. I do find it very interesting that, you know, the betting odds, they're a little bit different than the Pac-12 Media Day poll. You, know, you look at the Pacto Media Day, uh, Pacto Media, Media poll. I can't say, I can't talk. Um, but the media poll, they had USC at number one, which understandable. I think that's kind of, you know, everyone's real thought. But after that, you know, I think you could argue numerous teams. You could argue Washington. You could argue Utah. You could argue Oregon. You could argue Oregon State, maybe, for the number two spot. But you look at the betting odds, and it's Washington right now. Uh, in at the number two spot there, USC plus 200, Washington plus 265. Ben and Oz have the Ducks at number three at plus 325. The poll has Utah at number three. Ben and Oz, Utah plus 600. Then UCLA at plus 750. Oregon State 13 to one plus 1300. And then the media poll, it's Oregon State five, UCLA six. So a little bit of difference there between the media poll and the betting odds. You know, 
if I did my rankings, which I did, I put them out on Twitter at Steven underscore VON. Those are the only rankings that matter, by the way, what I think. Uh, I had USC one. I had uh, Washington two, Oregon three, Utah four, UCLA five, Oregon State six. Hmm. So kind of, you know, I'm more of a, more on the betting odd side there. So what, how, how would you rank the top six? Because I think it's a clear clear class of six, and then anybody after that, it's kind of anybody's ball game. I think some of those teams could jump up in the top six, but I think preseason, there's a clear-cut six, and then after that, it's kind of everybody else. I'm going to have to get a little bit more nitty-gritty on the UCLA-Oregon State comparison here because I'm a little... I'm a little confused why UCLA has better odds than Oregon State to win this conference, given quarterback situation. It may be because of that. It may be. Actually, I take it back. I went back and looked at my rankings. I had UCLA 6, Oregon State 5. So, so um, I, I think that, but you're telling me UCLA's plus 750. Yeah, UCLA 5th in the betting rankings. I think it's because it is the unknown, right? If Dante Moore starts and he's awesome, maybe they should be second, right? I think. I mean, is there a world that Dante Moore is better than DJ Uyunglele? I I think so, yes. but part of that is scheme and what they're going to ask the quarterback to do. Is there? Is they there got a, Carson Steele, the Ball State transfer, is UCLA's new running back. Is there a scenario that Dante Moore is better than Cam Rising? Oh, for sure, more more talented. I, I think better is going to be such a. We'll know it when we see it. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dante Moore could be one of those guys that just steps on the field and lights the world on fire. That's a five star quarterback. Out of Detroit, like that could happen, and we'll probably we probably won't know until week four. I mean, when Khalil Tate was awesome for a hot minute. He was, yeah, he was. Uh, we probably won't know either until week four when they're at Utah because it's Coastal Carolina at San Diego State, NC Central for UCLA. Well, don't they've got to take care of business and don't sleepwalk like they did against South Alabama last year or the year before. Chanticleers is going to get them from the Rose Bowl. They're not bad, right? They're not. Grayson McCall's back there. That's okay. That's a legit game. UCLA was a 30-point favorite on South Alabama one year and won 32-31. I can't wait. The hell's that? <laughs> Barely win. Hey, I had South Alabama in that game. I remember. I'll well, never forget you're it. You're a winner, my friend. Yeah. Steven underscore V-O-N. I'll be, I can't wait to give out picks. <laughs> I'm only going to talk about my winners, not my losers. It's going to be so good. That's the way you do it. Uh, I want to thank John Cazano letting us fill in while he is doing camp exceptional with the BFT organization. It's just great. The foundation. Sorry. Uh, thank Judah Newby as well. He's always helped me out. He's let me do my thing. Judah's the man. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more Pac-12 Media Day interviews, more talk on sports, more everything. This is the Bald Face Truth of the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.